listening to Historically Present. Well, everyone, welcome to the Historically Present podcast. My name is Peter. And my name is Serge. And this is the podcast where we talk about the intersection of the past, the present, and how that will all impact the future. June 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Man, we got some... Past, some present, and lots of future stuff we're going to talk about. Absolutely. Today. And by the way, that intro is a good example of like how you know this is actually live <laughs> recording. So, yeah. Yeah, we don't do second takes here, do we? We don't do second takes Not anymore. really. So, yeah. So, there you go. We're human, just like all of you. Uh, anyways, um, we recognize that. Uh, well, first of all, welcome to everyone listening in. For those of you listening for the first time, stick around. This is a very much podcast we do think you'll enjoy. And by the way, to all of the people who started listening and you're like, this thing is going to be X amount of hours mm-hmm. or time minutes long, <laughs> just know this is meant to be something you can digest over time. Yeah. Bite-sized chunks. Bite-sized chunks. Yep. I know some of you have got like a five-hour commute or something like that. That's crazy. You probably don't have a five-hour commute, but Enjoy. You can get it done in one day, but um, just know that when I sit down, we have a good idea that it's going to last a while. <laughs> yeah, especially just, lately. Yeah, especially <laughs> lately, we just don't know when it's going to end. And uh, this is meant to be educational, entertaining, and maybe more so thought provoking yeah. because um, we have our ideas when we come together. But at the end of the day. Usually our ideas kick off other ideas in our head at the times, and we just kind of go down some, I actually think, pretty relevant uh, yeah. rabbit trails. So this is this is why we call it historically present. A lot of the things that we're dealing with today will reflect on on things in the past. And yeah, now we're just, uh, I don't know, It's I was just talking with a friend uh, last night, and it is, I just asked him, because I hadn't seen him in a while, I'm like, what have the last three years been like for you? Yeah. And this is where we're at. Like, it is kind of this really interesting time. So, all right. Without further ado, um, we got some good updates to talk through. We always want to keep an update on Ukraine. And I think that's where we want to start today. Yeah. Is that fair? Yep. All right. Yeah, let's start with Ukraine. Um, So we kind of kicked off or ended up our last episode uh, sort of making some predictions on Victory Day, uh, which was held in May 9th. It's a pretty large annual parade uh, that... That's been happening really since 2008, I think, is when it started becoming this huge annual thing where Russia's parading all of its technology, all of its tanks, all of its, you know, they're doing aircraft flyovers, all that good stuff, right? This year was a little bit different. This year was different, yeah. Um, Usually there's columns and columns of tanks. (laughs) (laughs) There's like... There's like, you know, the tanks from the from World War Two and then, yes. then you know, you got the more modern stuff and tons well, and tons of soldiers and stuff, right? Just just to clarify, V Day, correct me if I'm wrong, is the victory over Victory in Europe Day. Victory yeah. in Europe Day. Yeah. Victory over the Nazis and the Vasion. Yes. Yep. And once again, that's not to undermine the fact that they had a lot of casualties uh, yeah. over there. So that yeah. I can totally understand why there is a day that they really want to put put a show yeah. on. But of course this year was different. So. This year was different. Um I wonder why. I mean it's <laughs> almost like there's all of their technology has been preoccupied in some other so capacity. 
Uh, and it was the saddest, most pathetic looking or victory day thing that I've ever seen, right? They had literally one Soviet era T-34 tank that led the procession. That's it. There was no other technology, no other machine. Wait, what? That's it. No. Yes. Yes, one Soviet. I mean, they probably took that tank off of a monument. There was only one they tank in the. It. There was yes. only one tank in the column. The, in the entire parade, in one tank. So that tells you what? a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. One. Um, Sorry, I'm looking at Surge in disbelief because I did not know it was like that. Yeah, I thought it was like. No. Okay. I'm not talking about one column of. T-34s, I'm talking about literally one tank, an individual tank that was lonely strolling through uh, Red Square. What? <laughs> Which, obviously, you know, you've got you've got everything else that is tied up in, in this so-called special military operation in Ukraine. Just one tank on show and scaled up. Yep. Holy cow. I mean, scale down is probably the massive understatement here, right? It's it, it's almost, the parade almost didn't happen because of security threats and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, I mean, listen, I'm a little bit of a historical fan. So, you know what? Oh, shoot. We didn't even have this on there. I won't get down there at all. A T-34 is a tank that's pretty iconic. So I, yeah. I get why you'd have that one. Um. Wow, that's wild. Okay, so let's back up a second. With the war going on in Ukraine, yep. you have told me, if I'm not mistaken, that, that there have been evidence to show that they are using old T-34s. Not, Is that true? Not or, quite T-34s yet, but they're... The numbers keep going lower. Yes, they're using T-50s, uh, I think T-60s. I was going to say, we're, sure we're already in the 60s, number. I know that much, right? Yeah, yeah they're okay. basically pulling off stuff that has been either in like long, long-term long storage or, um, you know, stuff that they were able to retrofit, and they're going down <laughs> that, lower and lower. That the, tank ended the parade, literally lo- went up on the train column and went off to the exactly. west. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's yeah, that's probably not. It's funny. It's inaccurate. Probably, that might not be completely inaccurate. Yeah. yeah. So. so that was um yeah we were you know we were kind of the prediction that I think some of us were making and and I was sort of uh, saying in our last episode is like just look out for something to happen around that day because that's you know symbolic for both Ukraine for Russia. Ukrainian president actually just signed a law. Uh, that celebrates, that makes Victory Day or VE Day, what we call here, uh, May 8th, which is the technical victory in Europe day. I was going to say that's when that's when the West usually celebrates. Yes, it. yep. That's when we signed the agreement with Germany or <laughs> they signed their surrender uh, documents and stuff. And huh. so, um, so, yeah, Ukraine is becoming less and less uh, affected by the orbit of Russia and kind of their their position on things in the world. And so, so yeah, that, I thought... You know, we'd start off this and just talk about that for for a minute because, again, <laughs> it was sad, but also understandable why they didn't have any other technology out there. Yes. Um, and it really, I think, shows, I mean, imagine yourself being a Russian at that point. You're like, you're used to seeing, you know, nuclear-tipped warheads and, and missile columns. Well, doesn't that mean they're on the West? 
Well, that's that's my whole my whole point is that you're used to seeing all this technology, all this you know fighting capability, and you're like, where is it all at? I was gonna say, peacetime is over. Yeah, yeah, and and Russians, I think, are living just in this really weird parallel existence right now, where for many of them, it is still quote unquote peacetime because war hasn't been technically declared, but. At the same time, they know something's happening, right? They know that there's there's problems. There's there there's lots of military funerals happening now. There's there's other attacks happening and, and drone strikes. And they're like, oh, it's it's jarring to to I think to to be a Russian right now living in maybe like Moscow. Saint I mean, one point five million people under the age of thirty five, I've been told, have now fled. Oh yeah. Have fled, and then how many have then been killed or mobilized? I mean, we've we've officially, from the Ukrainian side at least, crossed the two hundred thousand killed in action Russian soldiers uh, in this conflict, in this war. Which again, two hundred thousand. Yes, that's <clears throat> it's it's hard to understand that actually. Yes, just alone what some of these battles are are costing the russian side is just i mean their militaries would be gutted for that incompetence i think imagine something like this happening in a western military that right but yeah yeah and that's something we 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 keep going back to and talking about just the doctrine yeah, and kind of the, the value of life I'll tell you what let's let's get into that at the counteroffensive section here yeah so. yeah yeah so, all right so um, we, we, one one tank um and now the next update f-16s for ukraine yes okay talk to me about this because i i mean i have have been of the mindset that should have been greenlit a long time ago but it is greenlit precisely when or and maybe a better way to say this is is this one of those things where it technically was underground greenlit and they were just training people or so or what is the thought here? I think they were doing um, some some articles I read of of kind of where Ukraine was at positionally with being trained on uh, you know different capabilities and fighters and, and things like that. They were they were being trained in the U.S. and other states and other countries. However, not necessarily on this F sixteen. F sixteen. They were just getting essentially like U.S. Air Force combat training, right? Right. Uh, so this has. This has greatly changed. It really started on May 21st when President Biden basically said that the U.S. is willing to provide and also train Ukrainian soldiers on the F-16s. Just to remind everyone, for things to go tick in the world, you need Uncle Sam's approval. Yes. Isn't that wild? Because. That is insane. More and more I look at this. Okay, keep going. Because F-16s were... The topic of many other nations and they're like yeah we we have we have extra we're upgrading from f-16s to you know f-35s and other other right types of newer jets you know fifth generation jets and we have a lot of them in excess and so why not we'd love to give them to ukraine but uncle sam had the uh had the final word here and again one of those things where i'm like man this should have been in the conversation a year ago, mm-hmm. at least starting a year ago, right? I understand that Ukraine at that time, you know, a year ago in June or so, they, they had managed to kick out Russia from Kiev area and, and kind of 
you know, got rid of a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the uh, forces, you know, invading invading that section. But should have started talking about F-16s at that point because, or even doing training because I think that could have uh, the U.S. at that point and the Western partners already knew. Okay, Ukraine can fight back. Uh, obviously, we, they can fight back with javelins and and other man pads. Like, come on. Give them, give them the actual weapons they need to end this war as quickly as possible. So um, they... I, w- I will say, yeah. though, I will give credit to... Uh, listen, I, as much as, you know, some of the populace is like, let's do this. And I know some populace is like, let's not do that. That seems like a pretty big change of level of um, involvement. I will say this, though. There is a part of me that does recognize... We have been very gradual in our approach of increasing the amount of level of sophistication in arms. And in one sense, one could say, could it be faster? Yes. I mean, there's a part of me that just wants to say, I'm glad we're doing it, yeah. number one. But number two, this gradual increase has clearly not gotten us into some other major conflict yet. Yeah. Or has not escalated. I mean, everybody keeps saying it's escalating. It is escalating, technically, to do this, but there has not. But I would also say we in the West, oh, I mean, that's in the US on the other side of the pond. So look, apologies, Europe, um, have not felt, we've not seemed to see a level change from Russia that yeah. would state that a position that was like a red line or something like that. We're just we're we're just completely in gray here, aren't we? Is well, that, is that I, the idea? I think the idea is actually. I think it's twofold, right? Russia claims red lines for every single new capability that Ukraine would potentially receive, right? So, at one point they said javelins were going to be red line. Back in the start of the war, they, then they said you know um, tanks would be a red line. We've we've got tanks now. Ukraine, you know, they've got. High Mars, they said that was a red line. So they keep saying things are red lines. And then the, the second part of that is they can't actually back that up. So they're not able to, re, you know, I guess they're not able to uh, retaliate against the, some of these crossings of the red line, so, so-called, so right? So if Ukraine gets a bunch of new tanks or new aircraft, it's not like Ukraine is or Russia is starting to well, we're going to up, you know, up the ante and start doing, I don't know, nuclear uh, raids or whatever, uh, or hitting hitting a specific sorts of targets. They're just, they keep doing the same stuff they've been doing, maybe at a higher intensity, but there's no like equal, um, how do I say this, equal match of force for, for whatever red line is quote unquote crossed. Right. So it, I, I, <laughs> I think, and this is what, this is what's been happening. Like we've seen this pattern happen over the last year and a half or so. It's like, why are we even listening to them? They keep saying everything is a, a red line. Well, if everything's a red line, then nothing's a red line. So that that does make it interesting. Uh, this does tie into the fact. I think we didn't don't have this on our sheet, but it does look like that they are they now have tactical tactical nuclear weapons now inside of Belarus. Yes, that was yep. That they've been starting to. The, transfer those 
weapons from Russia into at Belarus. At least I, like now it's like it, that's completely public. Yeah, like that's completely public. Yeah, I think yeah. they've had some before as well. I think Belarus is, is also a nuclear nation because of, you know, Soviet Union and stuff. Um, however, one of the things that we've uh, we've seen, I would say, in the last month is the good old U.S. Patriot battery system, the Patriot air defense system. And it did something that's that I want to correct from a, from our previous episode where okay. we had, you know, there was a there was an idea that uh, when we were recording that the U- Ukrainians were able to shoot down this this uh, hypersonic so called hypersonic missile, the Kinjal missile. Yeah, um, and we, I think I, I said that that's not quite true, or you know, Ukrainians came out and denied that. Well, lo and behold, that is true. It is true. So the Patriot system was and able how, to actually. How do we know that is true now? It's been verified by by the U.S. government. It's been verified by by Ukrainians and and many other. They have actual the actual missiles that were shot down. They actually have like their serial numbers and all that stuff, right? Wow. So what does that mean? So number one, I think it means that the Russians were lying about their technology um, because the Patriot was was created in the, I want to say 60s, 70s, probably around 70s. And they were created before the advent of hypersonic missiles, quote unquote. So the Russians were saying, we have these this wonder weapon, right? This Wunderwaffe. <laughs> and nobody can shoot down this this Kinjal missile. And they use that for a lot of the, the bombings that you saw on, you know, Kiev apartment buildings and that sort of thing. That's where they were using this missile because Ukrainian air defenses just could not even shoot them down. Uh, however, in the last uh, month since uh, before before we're recording, Ukraine has been able to shoot down every single one of those missiles. And in fact, uh, Russian authorities arrested the the two leaders in charge of this Kinzhal mis- uh, missile program uh, for treason because they obviously lied about the capabilities. Poor guys. So we, we don't know for sure. I pray for speedy recovery from the flight of stairs that they're about to fall would, down. Would you like tea or would you like the stairs? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so... Let me get there's hemlock in this. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. So Ukrainians were... Uh, and I think, I mean, to everyone's surprise, right? Even the to the U.S., like the, this, is, was, this was this wonder weapon that you can't attack or you there's no way to do that and 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 going back to what i was saying earlier about the nuclear side of this is that that would have been a perfect delivery vehicle for nuclear like weapons actually but now ukrainians have patriots they're getting a couple more patriots so and so that negates a lot of the nuclear fear yeah that russia tries to bring so imagine they would use a nuclear warhead on this kinjal missile well Ukrainians can shoot it down. It might not do the damage that they were hoping for, but it'll still do some damage, you know, without radiation yeah, and all that say, stuff. Yeah, right? Radiation will still do something, but it will not do the nearly the damage that uh, a, an actual strike would have done. So this is where I actually think: where is the line? And 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 I think I think a lot of the fears of people in the U.S. probably are and of like negative. About the war, in the sense of like we keep up in the ante. Yep, they're going to use nuclear weapons at some point. I actually am not 
Oh, man. This is the part about me that I don't like. I'm, I'm sorry, everyone. I know some of you are going to really not like this. I have long thought it has been close to now. Yeah, we're getting close to 80 years since the last one that was used in a war scenario was yeah. dropped. Yep. In other words, there's no one left that remembers it. Mm. Mm-hmm. And our footage is not like HD quality like we have now. So we don't have the greatest records, um, even though we do, and it, I think that has helped immensely. Yeah. We've, I, we've been doing tests. We've we been do doing tests, footage. and I know we have things like, you know, like the recent Fukushima documentary or kind of fictional the reactor. Port- portrayal on, on Netflix. I do think that's good. It helped me understand a little bit of what kind of the process of what happened there. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is we, we've never seen an. Let me clarify this. I have never seen a nuclear bomb really go off in full HD color in, re, in like news segment in any capacity. I'm not saying I want to. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying we don't have, I, I don't think we have the ability to understand scale. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So knowing that, knowing that, and knowing that the ones that were around that can say, yeah, this thing is not a good thing. And I know we've modified nuclear weapons since yeah. um, Hiroshima and things of this nature. Um, it still is one of those things where once it gets dropped, what does happen? If it does happen. I, once again, if it does happen. I'm still of the mindset that I kind of still in the level of it is going to have to take Russia feeling like there's no other option to even do even a tactical one. Because if you do deploy a tactical one, you're literally, unless their objectives change, you know, for the future. But like, I, I still take a little bit of the Zion mindset that, well, now your troops have got to walk through that. Yeah. Right. So it's not, I mean, given they don't have the biggest view on life anyways, but, um, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's just the thing where I think the better question to be asking, maybe more so. And I know, I know, this isn't this is this is the one that people are not going to like, probably. But what is the West's reaction to when one gets deployed, or or actually let loose? That's what I want to know. Yeah, and maybe that's the whole point. We shouldn't know. And the and you know when that was brought up, like four or five months ago in a press conference mm-hmm. in the White House, they said they said Russia knows what our response would be. And people thought that the Russian Armada fleet on the on the water would be immediately sunk immediately type concept. Oh yeah. yeah. I, I don't I'm not saying that that would happen. I'm just saying how about this? What is the West's escalation after that? If you what is the West's response to that? And or does it have the complete opposite effect where all of a sudden you get some European members are like, you know what? No, we're done. We're not. I mean, they're the ones next door to this thing. Yeah. So I know this is a tangent to go down around, but this is where I, I'm saying like, to your point, they can shoot things down. They probably feel a little vulnerable right now. 
in the sense that none of their nuclear missiles can necessarily have potentially have the desired effect. I'm also trying to understand, do we have a bunch of Patriot? Do all these countries have Patriot missiles in their area? Yeah, they do. Um, Because these hypersonic ones, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you have planes in the air, they're not going to, I mean, this is one of those things we probably should, this would be a classic uh, Ryan Macbeth question. Yeah. But like, can they shoot them down? I'm, what it sounds like is a hypersonic, a plane cannot get get to one of those things. Or but, there's nothing outside of a Patriot missile that we know thus far that can maybe potentially take yeah. one down. And that's, that's what I, that's what I, you know, I, I think Ukrainians showed that the, the alert on the nuclear question hasn't been removed, uh, but I think it's been greatly mitigated. Like, Okay, Russia can try to detonate one and try to shoot one at Kiev, but we've got patriots now. And we've proven that the delivery mechanism that you guys would use, which is the Kinjal missiles, would would be destroyed. Um, and Ukraine's actually getting, I think, a, getting a couple more batteries, a couple more systems, so they should be able to really protect pretty much all of Ukrainian territory with the patriot missiles. And to kind of answer... Or to give you my take on something you said, what was what's the red what's the actual red line? I don't think there's a red line. You don't think there is one? I don't think there's a red line. I This is this is the bully that, I mean, that I says will, I, I will destroy yeah. your house, I will break break your nose, but never goes through with it. And then you're like, Okay, go for it. And then they like, Well, I'll I'll do something even worse next time. And then next time I'll do something even worse. And then you're like do the thing. Do do what you're promised to do, and they never do it. Because I think you cra- the West's position on, like you said, you know, they know Russia already knows exactly what's going to happen if if they even attempt nuclear anything. That's a big deterrence. The, I mean, that would def- definitely put even any of their potential allies. Oh yeah. Even people who are friendly with the oil, that would put them in a very the West would flip on those people. I mean, China would be in a very precarious spot. And, here, and here's the thing: the West, I think uh, Peter Zion and a few of our few other folks on online, some of these analysts, and even the U.S. I think has has not officially said this, but they know where everyone's at. They know where Putin's at at all times. They know where Shoigu, the, the Minister of Defense, they know where all these top <laughs> top ranked generals and, and whatnot. So like those guys would be just obliterated within minutes, I think. So <laughs> I, my, my take is again, history has proven with, with this war that there really is no red line. Um, and and Russia, in the same sense, has no red line when it comes to what they're doing to the Ukrainian land, to the population, to people. I mean, there's no there's no like somebody saying, you know what, we probably shouldn't aim at this residential building or this the zoo or this. That is true. Well, there, I would even say that's no, that's even actually more deliberate. Yeah, it's 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 becoming a deliberate act, and that's that's why I said. You know, we should have been talking about F-16s a long time ago because that could have stopped or at least slowed down a lot of the progress and and secured Ukrainian right. land. I can I make a counter to that? Sure. Because of that terribleness that became very public, 
the West was like, okay, we do have to, we do have to uh, change our stance here. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's okay. I do want to um, highlight kind of uh, the whole F-16 question. I think a lot of people are like, okay, F-16, what does that actually mean? Yeah, I do agree with that. You know, what is what is it going to do to Russia or, or to yes, Ukraine? That is a fair, very fair question. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, it's like, that is one of those things you're like, well, what is, I mean, how is that going to even. How is it going to change anything? Change right? anything, yeah. Yeah, they, they can, you know, there's there's a lot of maintenance required these are older jets don't 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 forget that these are still jets that were created again in the in the 70s uh so and it's again wild to me that these jets are possibly superior to what's been created in russia in in more modern times so um a friend of our show uh ryan Macbeth, has this awesome video that he kind of explains and breaks down what um kind of what the benefit or the he he really calls it the four capabilities of the f-16 and what it gives to ukraine so wanted to play this video um and he breaks down sort of and i think we can talk about f-16s but i'll be honest with you i don't know really yeah anything about F ryan knows way more ryan knows way more and so let's let's just kind of listen to what he uh has and then we can maybe have a couple more reactions to that so here is ryan Macbeth on the four capabilities of that the f-16 gives ukraine so it looks like the F-16 is headed to Ukraine. What capabilities will this give Ukraine that it doesn't have now? Well, it's actually fourfold. The first capability is the AMRAM, which will help provide air superiority. This- now I'm going to pause real quick. The, the All these capabilities are actually types of missiles or types of weapons that the F-16 can carry. Just just so okay, as okay. you're listening to yeah, it, yeah. so you can kind of understand where, where things are at, so... Let's resume. Second capability is the HARM, or high-speed anti-radiation missile. That will destroy Russian air defenses. The third is PGM, or precision-guided munitions, to strike high-value ground targets. And the fourth is the Harpoon missile for maritime patrolling and striking ships. Now, I'm going to go in-depth in a couple of minutes, but let me recap what the F-16 is and why it's important. The F-16 is essentially the Ford Mustang of fighter jets. It's fast and agile and relatively cheap. See, it was designed back in the 70s, and the Air Force had been moving towards these heavy, complex fighters, and the F-16 was envisioned as this fighter that could outmaneuver any cannon or missile that was fired at it. It was intended to be the perfect day VFR, or visual flight rules, dogfighter. The F-16, an aerodynamic masterpiece tested and proven superior for today's air combat arena. Over 4,500 F-16s have been produced for 26 different nations around the globe, and they're still being produced today from Morocco and Turkey and even Iraq. The fact is that it's the second most popular jet in the world, the first being the Soviet-era MiG-21. And this popularity has led to over 3,000 different weapons carriage configurations and over 180 possible weapon systems. And the real advantage of this is giving these jets to Ukraine, there is this entire parts infrastructure that can support these F-16s. These fighters have been around for years, and there's a robust supply system that has sprung up around these planes. So let's go through each of the four advantages. The first capability is the AM-120 AMRAM missile, which provides air superiority. Right now, Ukraine doesn't really have control over its own airspace. They're still flying sorties, but at a very limited rate. 
Now, Russia is keeping Ukraine at arm's length. They really are doing penetration bombing like they did at the start of the war. Instead, they're firing standoff weapons at long range, meaning long range cruise missiles and glide bombs are being fired from Russia to keep themselves away from Ukrainian air defenses. Now, when it comes to CAP or combat air patrol, it seems like Russia's kind of hanging back with MiG-31 Foxhound interceptors and F-35 flankers. And when they spot a target inside of Ukraine, they fire A-13 Axe Head long-range missiles at it. And when I say long-range, I'm talking 124 miles. Wow. These missiles are hypersonic and fire and forget. They don't actually have to track the missile to the target. The missile gets there itself. In fact... These missiles are fired at such long ranges that Ukrainian pilots are forced to rely on ground control radars to let them know a missile just launched at them, which means they have to turn around and abandon their mission. The American AM-120 AMRAM can level the playing field. Now, depending on the version, it has a range of up to 87 miles, and that's the Wikipedia answer. The real range might be a little bit further. It's not equal to the AA-13, but it's enough to force the Russian Air Force to patrol further away from Ukraine. The F-16 can carry six of these AMRAMs, so this is step one in clawing back Ukrainian air sovereignty. The second capability is the AGM-88 Harm. This is an anti-radiation missile, meaning it is designed to destroy enemy radars. And even if you turn the radar off, the Harm remembers where you are and kills your radar anyway. Now, this missile made the news in August of 2022 when the U.S. retrofitted the harm to be fired by Ukrainian yeah, MiG-29. Yeah, no, okay, I remember but that. Yep. There are some problems. The MiG-29 was never designed to fire the harm, and from what I understand, the harm has to be pre-programmed for this method. They use a laptop and they tune the harm to mm. the specific radar it'll be attacking. Now, Makes sense. that's fine if you know the target you're going after, but. If you're out hunting for radars, a process known as wild weasel, then it's not so effective. Remember that scene in Flight of the Intruder when Grafton and Cole make themselves bait for the North Vietnamese surface-to-air missiles? Well, that's wild weasel in a nutshell. You fly until you're illuminated by radar, then you shoot a missile right down that system's illuminator. The F-16 was designed with wild weasel as one of its primary roles, so it can hunt for Russian radars, and then destroy them when they get illuminated. This will force Russia to do one of two things. Either they will have to constantly move their systems, which is a pain and takes enormous amount of manpower and fuel, or they have to pull back to areas that are safely in the rear. This sets up the next capability. Interesting. Now, the third capability is precision strike. With Russian long-range air defenses pushed further back, Ukraine can use precision weapons uh, on the F-16, such as the JDAM or the JDAM-ER for extended range, which is a glide bomb, to strike at Russian command and control centers and supply dumps. Now, you still have to worry about man pads or man portable air defenses, but one problem at a time here. They're still in a better position than they were before, especially if they're using GPS-enabled okay, glide bombs. So uh, I, will, I am very curious. Is he saying, though, that man pads can take those missiles out? Not the missiles, the actual aircraft. Oh, the actual yeah. aircraft. Yeah. Okay. And uh, one thing that he was talking about, the JDAMs, which actually Ukraine has been using them. Um, but I think the, the way that that works is you you fly low and then you fly really high. And then you when you're at the high point, you eject the JDAM just to give it more range. Um, okay. Now, Ukraine... With with its current <laughs> capabilities, can't fly that super high, high. right? Because yeah. of you know 
Soviet technology. So this will theoretically give them even more strike so capabilities okay. with JDAM. All right. I have a yep. quick witty comment here at the end. Okay, keep yeah. going. Because they can launch them from further away. The fourth capability is maritime security. That's the F-16 wild. can carry the AGM-84 Harpoon anti-ship missile. Now, Russia has used its Black Sea fleet as a missile launching platform against targets in Ukraine. So just the threat of losing more ships the way they lost the Moskva may force Russia to either keep their ships in port or pull them further back. And that's pretty much it. The F-16 gives Ukraine these four capabilities, which are crucial to taking back sovereign territory. So so basically what you're saying is we're going to have like real life original Top Gun moments going on <laughs> yeah. in the sky. That's, that's, yeah. I was listening to that. I'm like, oh, okay, this is. Yeah. One of the things that I, that I read about this is that the, the, um, the MiG-29, which, which is what Ukraine is using right now, again, old, old Soviet aircraft. Yeah. Better than nothing, but, but, right. but still, um, what it's doing is it's allowing Ukrainians to, uh, well, it's, in fact, actually not allowing Ukrainians to see their uh, attackers from far away. So the the newer Russian aircraft has radar that's capable of seeing uh, Ukrainian fighters like three times further away. All right. And what that means is that Ukrainians are literally flying blind because the Russians already spotted them. So as Ukraine flies out, Russians already know where they're at, the aircraft. Now, and, so, so my counter to that would be, I mean, I still feel like what, they're still going to be able to be spotted though, right? And yeah. Oh, they will be, but with F-16s, they can actually now, the, the, the parody is a little bit more even, right? So that they can actually spot the Russian is this where they're jets like, out there. Is this where they're like, oh, thank you for spotting me. <laughs> Here's one your way, yeah. I mean, based, based on the radar. Yeah. Well, and you've seen a lot of the videos. You guys have probably seen them. The you, the Ukrainians flying like super low, like nine feet off the ground, right? Like yes. that's insanely low. And they're flying um, like over highways and that sort of thing. And they're doing that to avoid detection because they can't really fly high because, again, the, the Russians spot them, you know, three times further out, further out than they, they can, uh, you know, that they even know how to fly or can fly out. So this is going to give a huge win i would say for the ukrainian air force i think right now they have about 79 aircraft in the entire air force the ukrainian air force um and there is a coalition building of uh that's going to give either used or retrofitted aircraft to ukraine so one of my questions is is are they taking pilots they're starting to train pilots yes let me clarify that question are foreigners coming in as pilots there, yes, that's a good question. Um, I, I actually just saw that they were starting to accept, you know, F-16 pilots to the Foreign Legion. Uh, they are. That, okay. Which should help, you know, get get some of the Ukrainians side a little bit more confidence and more experienced fighters for these things. Right. I think at, the, at this point right now, Ukrainians have probably some of the best combat, fo- you know, combat time, flight time, uh, even versus some American and Western Western pilots just because they've been in war for a year and a half. Right. And so some of these guys have done like 300 sorties, which is insane. Um, and so they're definitely looking to get their hands on this, uh, on this new capability. It simplifies a lot. It, um, automates a lot of issues and it, I think it just gives them a lot of new capabilities. So, um, 
the coalition, you know, you've got your normal, you know, supporters of Ukraine. You've got like Poland is willing to give some. I think Turkey is one of the nations as well. U.S. obviously. Um, and then there's one interesting nation that is super high on this uh, on this list here, and it's the Netherlands. They want to give F-16s to Ukraine. Really? Do you know why? No. <laughs> why, why do they want to do that? It's. I think it's revenge. Really? Yes. For what? Do you remember in 2014 the Russians shot down the Netherlands airliner? Oh, dang. Over Ukraine. The Dutch airliner. A lot of people in the Netherlands are like, this is this is our revenge. We're going to give Ukrainians F-16s. Holy cow. Because that was proven to come from the, well, so-called separatists, but they're really Russian. Russian. Yeah, the Russian soldiers that, that fired this, this missile and destroyed this airliner over Ukrainian territory. And so there's there's kind of this vengeance aspect to it, if you will. So, kind of wild. Um, training <laughs> has already started, as I mentioned. Um, and initially, they were saying it's going to take 18 months to train. But with Ukrainian pilots' capabilities and, and just kind of their, their knowledge, um, they're saying it could take, you know, four or less months of training. Okay. Now, there's going to be tons Wait, of grounds. how long the training, you say? Initially, it's 18 months of training. Now, they can... 14 or 12 months? No, 18 months initially. They I know, can, they'd subtract four months, all right? Yeah. Okay, Here, here's the statement that Serge has stated that you got, that I don't know if you'll caught. The war is going to be going for another year. Yeah. Very possible. Unless something catastrophic happens to the Russian side whether it's political or they just get routed. I think the war is going to continue hmm. until the end of the year at least, um, because if they've started training here in the last couple of weeks, then um, they will, the, the Ukrainian pilots will probably start debuting F-16s. Let's just say, let's give them four months maximum, right, to start flying over Ukraine. That's still... That's trending towards the end of the year already for us. I am very... Dang. Well, folks, this makes me feel like if we're still do, if we're still talking about this a year from now, which we have kind of expected. Yeah. Well, and that, that's where I'm like, we should have been talking about this, giving the aircraft a year ago, yeah. right? I mean, imagine just the amount of training and like imagine the amount of stuff that could have been accomplished, you know, had, had the training even started a year ago or right. even six months ago. Six so, months ago. Uh, and this is where I think some of my frustrations is with kind of the West, like just, yeah, we, we hear the red line. We're not going to cross it. We're afraid to cross it. And then, oh, we just crossed the red line. Let's stop doing that dance again. Let's just 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 go straight to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. So that that's kind of an update on the F-16s. We'll probably wow. have a lot more coming down the road. Okay. So 
I think we're going to, if you're capable, lump some of this stuff together. Yeah, yeah. Right now, what's going on that we want to give an update on is the counteroffensive does seem to appear to have happened. And by that, I mean, I think they actually made the announcement from Zelensky. Yep. even said that. That is, that is in progress. Um, there's a couple things we want to highlight from that. And I am going to be playing a little bit of, even though I'm not, not completely happily here, but I'm going to go play a little bit of the concept of from the Russian side a little bit here. So the reason why this is interesting is we are now in a different scenario than we were the first counteroffensive last year. Which took basically Donetsk and uh, yeah. and, Har- um, and Kherson. It took back Kherson. Took, yeah, yeah took, took that back, which was awesome. Um, you know, since then, the winter's happened. Um, I would even dare say I think the Russians... And quite frankly, Ukrainians as well have also thought to themselves, we need to dig in yep. and and prepare. I mean, the Russians have known this is going to happen. And quite frankly, if it was the other way around, the Ukrainians would know that that was going to happen as well. So it's not like this is one of those things where it's a game of it's a game of chess, right? But you know that the advance is coming. Yep. Right? Yep. So you're basically trying to prep. So Recently, as this was kicking off, um, they blew up the Kakova Dam. Kakovka. Kakovka Dam. Yeah. And let me clarify that. There's people who say that it was Ukrainians. Some people say it was Russians. At this point in time, I think it was more, I am very much of the belief that it was the Russians that did this. Yeah. Very much. I kind of feel like, I don't, um, and... (laughs) There have been some, I mean, there's been some terrible things that happened from it. There's been some comedial things where there was the leader of the Donetsk region or something mm-hmm. like that, or like the general. He's in He's in a building. He's saying, everything's fine. We're all okay. <laughs> and there's you can literally see in the windows in the background. It's like the yeah. first floor is completely underwater yeah. all around him everywhere in the city. Yeah. It's completely flooded. It reminds me of that. It's like you uh, can't drive a car through that right now, man. Do you remember the the? I think this was on CNN. There was a, a clip of um, mostly peaceful protest happening. Right, <laughs> there was just, burning, just a beyond. burning fire in the background. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly the first thing that came to mind. Is um, yeah, uh, in terms of the Novokovka Dam, this so this was built in the fifties by the Soviet government. And actually built specifically in mind of being able to withstand any direct U.S. attack on the dam itself. Uh, so if you kind of just a quick geography lesson, the, the, the Dnieper River runs through, essentially cuts Ukraine in half, right? There's kind of the eastern and the western side. They dammed up in Novokohovka, which is, I think, about 100 kilometers or 100 miles or so from from the actual Black Sea. So there's, so they dammed it up, which what it does is it has four main irrigation canals that flow and they actually uh, support a lot of the agricultural okay. yes. side of so, Support yeah, agriculture side of things of Ukraine. But is it not, is this not also the one that Zion talks about that also supports Crimea? Crimea. Yes. Okay. So this is, this is why I wanted to highlight this a little bit. Help me understand. The the thing that I'm trying to understand about this dam is 
is the it maybe doesn't matter is does the dam control are the canals on the on the back side of the dam dam or down river from the dam for either for either side here i believe they're down river from the dam i believe the the um the dam basically you know has this reservoir and i believe that the canals come after the reservoir so canals come, comes okay so there there's a steady flow like right you're not like having a huge amount of flow or uncontrolled flow there's a steady flow into these canals which then feed into all these irrigation systems and you get the famous herson uh, watermelons right the tons of agriculture happens really because of this dam that was built okay in the 50s so then let's let's talk to that yep what does this do for the agriculture side on both sides here? So Ukraine, I, I take it these canals are completely flooded out, yes. at least initially. Yes. Is that correct? So, yeah. So the evidence is strongly pointing to uh, Russia doing this, actually, in, in breaking right. up this, this um, dam. There's a couple different sides to the evidence. Russia obviously claims it was Ukraine. Now, if you remember, Peter, there was, I don't know, this this the date on this exactly, but last year, Ukraine used HIMARS to strike the road right by the dam itself. And I think they had like six or eight like precision strikes that you could see holes there. That's what HIMARS did. Yeah. It couldn't even, it, it didn't make a dent, hardly. It probably destroyed that road, and that's about it. They aimed it directly at that. Uh, well, at the, the explosion... Is wrong, the explosion came from inside, correct? Yes. So what the what the evidence is pointing to is that around two thirty in the morning there was an explosion at the dam. Okay. Um. Jeez, well, that's convenient timing. Okay. Yep. Yep. Convenient timing. It's, so citizens of Novokovka, which which I actually know quite a few people that lived in that area, um, they heard an explosion, and then the and what it did is just the flood basically destroyed the. In, in in order to destroy a dam, I mean, dams are built so they're very hard, so difficult, so, so diff- it's so challenging to like you know. The, obviously, they have so much water pressure to build them, so they're built to withstand just about any kind of attack, except for an, an internal attack. If you know where to place the bombs, you can destroy the dam. Yeah, right. And that's that's exactly what had to happen. There was also radio, or, uh, excuse me, phone interceptions of. Uh, folks that were at the dam that were calling their superiors and saying we blew it up. Um, and really why they did this in their mind was we're going to stop or slow down this counteroffensive. Correct. Because Ukraine had just a couple days before that started the counteroffensive and, and really they started sending a couple battalions out to basically start doing some small incursions into areas, right? Um, and what the Russians failed to realize is this is this is not a this is not a smart way to stop the the counteroffensive. This is actually has decades long impact. Uh, this is a catastrophe. This is like this is like um, a second Chernobyl for Ukraine, right? Ecologically, it's 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 ecocide. So much agriculture, so much of daily life. Um, has relied on this dam to be stable and to be controlled. And there was a, you know, power generation facility there as well. So right. 
So what they did was they blew it up. There was about 40 settlements in Kherson and Mykolaiv regions that were uh, either partially or fully submerged. Uh, there was a bunch of people that died. I don't know the exact totals well, here. 2.30 in the morning. There was a zoo that was completely wiped out except for like the geese, like the, the animals that could fly away. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, thousands of people have been evacuated. Uh, so this is going to kick off. This is a, a chain reaction to what's going to come down the road. So this is already drying out some uh some some of the canals so yeah help so th- this is the part where i'm a little confused sure because technically you just threw a bunch of water into the canals correct well not just the canals you overflowed the entire like that whole basin right so uh, okay so you didn't just flood the canals you flooded the cities around the canals you flooded the entire Flooded the entire region. Yeah, it's like releasing a huge lake onto this area, right. and that lake obviously you know flows downstream. It carries with it. Uh, so if there was any like petroleum processing plant on on one of the banks, uh, it carries with it that stuff. Okay. I mean, it, it's going to poison the water because and this right, then goes everywhere. It goes everywhere. It's going to the the, the canals are going to dry out. So no more. So so, so some people are saying that. This is going to cause a desert in Ukraine once everything is settled and and you know it, it like it's it's heartbreaking, man. <laughs> it's hard to talk about this. Yeah, no, I I think it's so it's so wild to think. I guess I guess maybe my question is is when do we I mean, obviously, we see the floodwaters now, but the floodwaters will recede. Yeah. But basically, there will be nothing after that. Correct? Correct. So, the, the areas that were... Is, so, what's the status of the lake? Well, it's... Is it emptied? It's, it's pretty, pretty much, much gone. Yeah. 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 There's a couple of things that I, I think I want to highlight. So, there's obviously evacuations. And, and um, I saw a video where Ukrainian soldiers were evacuating russian soldiers yes i saw that video too. from treetops yeah no it was like come on guys yeah what are you doing what are you thinking obviously not thinking so there's urgent evacuations um the scale of flooding uh is just completeless some cities are just completely wiped out um the russians are not helping anyone on their on their side of the bank on uh, their bank of the river i guess the eastern side of the the, the bank um Tons of people are missing or just unclear where they're at. They died. Um, some Russian soldiers suffered casualties casualties as well because they didn't expect this huge wave of water or this 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 flood water to start happening. Um, there's going to be drinking water scarcity. So um, because of the loss of the reservoir water, so the, the reservoir water was providing a lot of the drinking water. They'd clean it up, that sort of thing, right? Uh, contaminations because you've got uh, damaged turbines, you've got hydroelectrics equipment, and um, there was actually a release of about 150 uh, to 450 tons of engine oil into the Dnieper River. And I already saw some video and pictures of the oil, um, you know, slip coming through the water. So that also affects groundwater. Um, Again, drinking water and just irrigation water for for the immediate area right around there. Um, Now, talking about environmental damage, 
the entire ecosystem faces destruction. Like, so you're talking about the plants, the trees, the birds, the, the animals. Like I saw a picture of just thousands and thousands of dead fish because that they were swept out or some of these fish are freshwater fish and they are sent to the salty black water sea, black sea. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be, so this is emptying into the black sea, right? Yep. Yep. Um, what does that do to the black sea even then? It's going to mess up. It's going to mess up that ecological That as well. Too, yes. Right? right. I don't know the, the deep effect of that, but it's going to mess that up because you've got, again, fresh water, just pouring in, pouring that. in with salt water, and that's it's been doing that, but essentially not at a controlled pace and environment right. that they could control and, and sort of make it, you know, make it work. So, um, so yeah, the whole sea, which the ecosystem will change in in actually the Black Sea and the Sea of Azov, which is also fed by the by the Dnieper. Um, so the Ukrainian on the on the agriculture side, the Ukrainians reported that about 10,000 hectares of agricultural land on the right bank are expected to flood. Um, again, with that flooding, it brings all kinds of junk with it, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be just a massive either cleanup effort. Uh, I mean, they're going to probably want to rebuild the dam at some point, um, but it's going to take a long time to get it stabilized. And that won't be settled during this time of no, conflict. no. So, okay, yeah. so that's that's the Ukrainian side. Um, is that do we know? Is that what's going to happen? I mean, that, that would affect the Crimea side as well. Then, correct? Crimea has already reported uh, cholera and some other nasty things in the water. Uh, their drinking water has already been affected by this, and so that's going to speed up the who's evac- gonna want crimea at the end of this by the way well ukraine will always want crimea <laughs> what i mean but yes this, i mean this honestly was, this sounds like more of a headache than anything this is the stupidest move they've ever done the russian side uh because it basically cuts off crimea from any any way to properly supply water for agriculture but also drinking water who's going to want to live there well not not the people that live there now they're going to they're going to create refugees out of that. They're going to go to Russia. Yeah, there's, they're going to have to. There's nothing else. There's already been huge lines uh, when the when the vacu- when the actual dam was blown up. There have been huge lines uh, of people leaving Ukraine or leaving rather Crimea and going into Russia because this is uh, again this is a new this is a okay. it's not a nuclear disaster but it's an ecological disaster. This is one of those ones where I feel like we see the initial damage and then like six months from now, we will see the re- the ramifications of that damage in a whole new way. Yes. And the problem is, is that this isn't just, this isn't just like, even though I know that was terrible when the when the um when the seawater came in into Japan yeah um well, obviously with fukushima um but like just the whole concept of all the seawater i i've seen what that looks like they've got some crazy video footage um that has come out on like these rivers yeah yeah that were 
completely flooded, destroyed everything that was there, which I'm guessing is basically a version of that, of what just happened here. And and then when the water recedes, you're just left with stuff scattered everywhere, yeah. which I know they were talking about. And, and listen, I get the idea of like, this is one of those things is like, see what the Russians have done. You have mines now that have been completely flooded into places that we will just never know until they go yeah. off or yeah. completely, you know, um, stuff like that. You get the oil issue. So I am really curious. Maybe that's one thing we can give an update on next time. Is about just what is happening on the Crimea side. Because there's this part of me that wonders, it, are these canals going to just completely dry up? Yes. Yep. In the next yep. eight months? Not only that, the... Does that, bec- just to be brutally, brutally honest, does that create a whole new front? Does that make sense? Like, if it, your riverbed becomes dry, dry... Yeah. I don't know if it creates a new front. I think it makes it a little bit easier for the Ukrainian counteroffensive. Initially, it's going to be tough, right? Because it's flooded and you got to wait for the waters to recede. And, and But then it makes it a little bit easier because you can just cross where it used to be water there there's a there's a there's a lake nearby in a park and uh, we did some family pictures last year Mm -hmm. and we went there and i'm walking around and this lake is gone Hmm. we we took pictures on the dock surrounded by like weeds and stuff of this nature wow i i went to the dock you know where you would put your boat in there's no water at all. It was very, in a weird way, kind of eerie. Especially when the lady, yeah, when the yeah, girl told totally. me, she was like, four years ago, we came down here on the beach. Yeah. So, I have, I mean, you know, like I said, that was years afterwards. But that is a wild, eerie thing to see. The infrastructure that was there is now a, like a remnant of itself. Nobody's using it. Nobody has need of it. And in this case, it's... That's on a scale that we just... I don't, I don't think we can even comprehend what that has done. Is that correct? Yeah. We just yeah. can't. Yeah, we can't. Yeah. Um, okay. And one thing I, I, I forgot to mention is that there's also... So Russians also blew up a couple other dams during their, again, during their effort to try to block the Ukrainian yes. counteroffensive from going full steam. And... The reservoir near the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant is also dwindling. That's the what's being used to actually cool the reactors and, and you know provide That's some of right. that stuff, right? And that is another terrorist. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing, right? That's uh that's brewing that that could be another destruction, another like large scale Chernobyl type event, right? And so the, I mean, this is so. So this is this is my question: Is this the Russian change? Let me clarify this to, to play to play a little devil's advocate here. Sure, I feel like this is a very Russian move in the sense of yes, like, it is like you scorched earth. Scorch, it's very scorched earth yep. feel. Yep, like you can come, but it's going to be nasty, and you're not even going to want it. Yeah, it's the desperate boyfriend, right? If if I can't have her. Nobody can have nobody her. can have her right, and that's yes. what they're doing. That's that's just been their their doctrine for right. for every conflict, basically, right? So, I, what I'm trying to say is, like, if you create this ecological 
wasteland if you create this if you i mean like i said i feel like the the nuclear thing is more of like something that just keeps everybody tied down to a certain extent um you know Zion's concept has always been like they you know ukraine is on the way to the access points that will prevent in you know that they're kind of going forward to like in mm-hmm. um but i'm there's a part of me that wonders, like, are they just working to start creating their own new, almost weirdly, barriers, uh, or like just, just, just absolutely? Yeah. Does that make sense? Buffer zone or whatever. Buffer yeah. zone destruction. It's like no one's gonna live here. You know, like yeah. outside of. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. Um, and yes, we will hurt ourselves. We will definitely be hurting you in the process, um, as well. And I still think back to myself, what is Crimea going to be? Because it needed that canal to have drinking water, any agriculture concept. Industry, right. All, I mean, all that, that thing is going right. to turn into a complete desert, Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to take years, if not decades, for capacity to return back to, you know, pre-war levels. Right, regardless, for, of, for, for regardless right? of who's there. Like, it's just yeah. not... You have to rebuild the dam in the first place. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, and that's gonna that's not gonna be an easy thing. And then you have to you know start with the cleanup and and it just it it's such a it's such a stupid thing. All while there's do. a war going on. Yeah. See that's that's the thing where it's like that seems so Russian. Yeah. We're gonna. It, it's just gonna tie everyone down. Yep. Yep. Everyone down. It might even tie us down, but it's gonna tie you down. You can't. You can't maneuver your tanks right now because of the just the sheer amount of mud that we just sent inland that yeah. wouldn't have been there prior. Yeah. 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 So, you know, one of the interesting things that um that uh we saw from video and from photos is some of these lakes that have been, you know, created from this uh from from the reservoir now that they've Blowing dried up. out. Oh, okay. Right you can start seeing what's what's actually at the bottom of the lake and some of them were world war 2 nazi soldiers helmets and guns from even earlier time frames earlier battles have you Wait, seen where this? was this have you seen this no so there was um uh so from the from the from the dam itself yeah that lake the lake, so I, you know, I was as, as it was destroyed, right? The water was receding, and then receding. you could see actual uh, helmets of Nazi soldiers, yeah. and their bodies or what's left of it, actually in the mud in the ground. And some people probably have been looking for their relative for eighty years now. You know. Well, I mean, I will say there is a part of me that does kind of enjoy. Not joy. Let me clarify that. Let me enjoy is the wrong word. Find an appreciation for these guys who go out and continue to like dig up, like, um, yeah. There was a there was a battle in in a city called Nikopol in 1943, mm-hmm. and they're fighting basically finding skulls that are scattered from from the Second World War. Yeah. Um. Dozens, dozens of. Oh yeah, that's a Ger- that's a German soldier right there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wow. 
Well, there is a there are multiple channels on YouTube where you can see uh, these, I believe, Russians digging up like World War II remains all the time, all the time. Oh yeah, all the time. (laughs) It's just like it never ends. Yeah. Well, because and my dad and I are watching this. You know, as this guy's like fishing with his feet in the mud. And then he pulls up and he's got a grenade and you're just like, oh my word. Man. Oh my gosh. Oh my word. What are you? It's just like, and they're yeah. so calm. Anyways. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. they've also discovered, um, because of the waters receded, now they discovered actual landmines that the Russians set up in these riverbeds or these lake beds to prevent counteroffensive movements. So they're like, uh, how to describe them. They're kind of like these long, they have like a base and they have like a long pole that if you, touch it, Trigger the it pole. triggers the, this, you know, whatever. So, um, clearly this was, a. I think the evidence is overwhelming at least at this point, because Russia has not provided any evidence to the counter that there was the Ukrainians that would blow this up. And I, I just don't see how it would benefit the Ukrainians. I think they had this as a game plan at some point earlier in the war or, or, or last year at some point, but they were, if it was like really dire and desperate. Yeah. And but obviously again, they'd have to get there first plant the charges and then okay. get out. Okay. I'll take a Russian <laughs> point of view here. Sure. Slightly. Slightly, but in a Ukrainian mindset. If it gets bad, they will go scorched earth themselves, correct? I I may be wrong here, but if I'm Ukrainian and like if it seems like the tide has turned, correct me if I'm wrong, but they may even go like, we know what's coming. So you can't have yeah. us. You can't but let me be clear, that's not in this scenario. Ukraine is Ukraine is despite like the challenges, which let's get into here with the counteroffensive. Yeah. Despite the challenges, they are they are on the attack. It's not like they're being routed every single day, all the time type scenario. That's not what's happening right. here. They're not losing miles of you know, like it's yeah. So anyways. Yeah. So this brings me to what I wanted to talk about. Is the counteroffensive happening and they're clearing trenches? Um, you're gonna hear a little video here, but and by the way, you can go online and you can see this YouTube. Man, I keep wondering, what does this have an effect on from when it comes to war stuff in the future? I mean, war is just real time. It's right? so it's so wild. Used to what would have America? I mean. I mean, I know they had like videos of like clearing World War II, yeah, you know, um, machine gun nests in like a. What do you do when pinned down? I mean, like this is in the theater. Yeah, you. Yeah, and, it and wasn't like, accessible in, in like U.S. Yeah. You know, but it was nothing like yeah. this. Okay, so, um, you guys should take a look at this. This is really interesting. The people have talked about this is how devolving into more of like a World War One like trench type thing. Um, there is definitely elements of feelings of that, but yeah, go ahead and play a little bit. So these guys have strapped, you know, like GoPros to their helmets and they're advancing into, um, positions in the sides of hills and kind of tree lines and they are throwing grenades left and right. And I think what's what what is now interesting to see in color. I think that's one of the things that 
it's difficult to see. Now, these things in color is the amount of like debris that is all over the place. Yeah, like we're looking at a bunch of tires right now. A bunch of tires. And I get it. It's, it's probably to help put a little a buffer. Maybe they take some... Maybe there's some sort of absorption they have that... But also look at how shallow these, these trenches are. Right, but, but I still even feel like that's deceiving. Like, we're going to see here in, in a second. There are literal, like, bunkers into the ground. Right? That's wild. Those big pops you hear, the, yeah. those are grenades going off. Yeah. Um, there was a guy who I saw do some commentary in that, especially the ones of the tree lines. Mm-hmm. In the winter, there's no leaves. Yeah. Now that it's spring, there's leaves. And that creates basically this, think of your adrenaline just probably going like all the time because you don't know exactly where everyone is. Everything that makes a sound is a potential enemy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He also did say, though, as they're clearing these things, I mean, they are coming upon, once again, weapons. The, the massive amounts of rounds of ammunition. Yeah, just boxes of just, And ammo it's weird because it's, he says it's kind of like outside of like the human element, as far as the equipment style of it, it's almost like Ukrainians keep coming upon caches of weapons that, in the sense of ammunition side of it, just can keep them going. Yeah, they, they, I mean, <laughs> this. I watched this guy. He pulls out this box. It's a bunch of bunch of grenades. He just sticks them in there and goes to the next yep. next hole and keeps going. It's and you know in that next hole he just picked up another box of grenades and continued. It's like That's, a video game and yes, you find a loot box, right? It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's wild oh to, gosh. but at the same time, yeah. I completely understand the like the unease of it i think this is also another realization of why i mean you talk to any any person that any vet or it seems like or any of the vet stories i mean you work to dig yourself a hole everybody goes puts goes underground as much as they can yeah and these things that you see are they're not even like six feet deep i mean you don't think so no they're like four or five feet deep i mean they're I, you you saw I know but you saw World War One trenches right yes, like, yeah that's true yeah I yeah. mean you you were literally it was the ground was well above your head well you above could your walk head. you could stand in there I mean this is this is not deep but at the same time I have just been amazed to just realize this is a natural byproduct you have people you've got days on the front line you just keep digging yeah and you you'll see evidence of like long lines of people running back and forth in the trenches, right? And then you're working yeah. to clear them out and you're throwing grenades and it 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 looks a whole lot more like World War One in that concept. Yeah. Oh totally. Um but I will say with the green grass like this video we were just watching it reminds if I'm just being honest, like how how things are structured there, it reminds me if you had men burrowing like a prairie dog Mm, sure sure like i have done prairie dog hunting all my life and this is just 
you look at the side of this hill and there's green all around, like everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Like just grass, but there's mounds and these mounds are basically man-made holes with maybe a little bit of a trench to, to, yeah. to the hole that next to them. And then there's like wide gaps. There might be even potentially some tunnels underneath. And this is this is wild to like see, but this is what they got to clear. I think that's the yeah. part that's really important to note here is these are like the first lines of things that the Ukrainians are having to clear. Yeah. And I will say the adrenaline's got to be just off the charts. Oh, I can't even imagine. I, I, there's just no way I can even... I can fathom what that's like. Um, and you can see the tree lines that they come to. I mean, the trees are all shot up. Yeah, yeah. Um, from you know, rounds coming in. And and to be fair, it, it, it may be those tree lines have potentially exchanged hands yeah. three, four times, you know, since October maybe even or something like that. So. Yeah, I think people fall into, you know, kind of speaking about the counteroffensive itself, and people fall into this romanticized idea of like it's going to be like this blitzkrieg where ukraine will take thousands and thousands of kilometers back in like two days right Right. and you've got like tons of movement and and it'll be over in a week well that's not how it works that's actually not at all how it works and so i know ukraine has um you know at the start of this first of all they're sending just a couple battalions you know three four battalions to probe the initial front lines right and the, yes. the initial barriers the protection areas there's there's trenches you know two three four levels deep that have uh, in the territory that have you know they're going to kick get kicked out of one they're going to go to the second level they're going to get go back to the third level and that sort of thing right um also we were ukraine has been given the cha- challengers and leopards and and so on the tanks right and I think kind of a jarring image that we saw when the the, the counteroffensive really kicked off is there's a, a basically a couple destroyed leopard tanks already. Well, yeah, they say they've lost half of their leopards. They lost half of their well, yeah, for the for the specific thing, and so it's like it's not going to be as easy as people actually want it to be or think it's going to be, but it's it's going to take a toll on them because the first line of defense is heavily fortified. You know, it's going to be pretty legit right in the second line who knows how deep they dug into that but um they're they're ready for this right the russian side is ready for this they're uh preparing and they're they're going to do everything they can and and it it is a part of war you're going to lose even the most modern most technical technically possible tanks oh, yeah. out there. you're going to lose that stuff right i th- i think seeing some of the bradleys that got shot up one time yeah. was pretty wild i mean just to see the holes and all the bullet poop bulletproof class and just um it it is very it is very jarring to see uh, i think the the more that i've seen and especially the amount of footage that is coming out yeah yeah. i think that's i think that's the wild part for me is uh, just 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 what that's like so anyways you can you can take a look at this stuff um like i said I mean, they are pulling out of these trenches just ammo boxes upon ammo boxes, which I think is important to note that that does mean that it's not, don't ever think that the Russians don't have ammunition. They have 10x more ammunition than the Ukrainians. Yeah, (laughs) they have, they're they're not running low on ammunition, which is interesting. It's just how 
I mean, this guy is just, I mean, he just stacks yeah. himself with grenades and goes to the next one. Oh, my word. But they, they get used to that. Okay. Final thoughts on, on kind of the Ukraine situation? I, I still am of the mindset, and as much as I don't like this, even about myself probably, that there still is a part of me that feels like it's still a little bit of Russia's war to lose. But we are, since, I mean, since we've started this episode, I think you've kind of heard, like, they are doing things that feel more, feel more desperate. There's yeah. evidence with, like, the parade that they're being tied down, I think is the right yeah. word to say. Yep. And so from a purely standpoint of an American view, if one of your chief enemies is tied down, that's something that you are interested in. Um, once again, I'm not saying yep. that that's a pretty thing. I'm just saying I look at our superiors that are in the in the military, and I can see why they they're concerned about certain things with the Ukrainians. But I can also see why they're they want to keep fueling this yeah. thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just think it's become evident to me that this is gonna this is gonna take a long time. And the one thing to note is when things do get dire, and this seems to be true of almost every war that we've ever seen in the past, the casualties at the end get crazy. Yeah. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's something that we don't completely understand. We haven't had something like this in a long time. Yeah, exactly. And if there's 200,000 dead Russians... And I would even dare say we haven't reached that point where things have gotten crazy technically in the war, where it's like it's just the only thing you can do is throw bodies into the mix. I think that's what makes me a little bit uneasy yeah. is to see what that could end up being like. So those are my final thoughts. Yeah, my final thoughts are, um, you know, we talked about the fog of war. Yes. And this has been probably the foggiest I've seen it in a long time. Uh, specifically around this war. Yeah. Um, again, information comes out or there's a lot of stuff that's insinuated, stuff that's been talked about. It it doesn't quite... Uh, like, like one thing we didn't even talk about is the, the Belgrade raids. Right. <laughs> the, the Russian raids. And I'll, I'll quickly recap that. Like, there's a couple Russian um, groups from the, the Freedom of Russian League and another another group that just... You know, they're, they're Russians fighting for the Ukrainian side, and they're like, we're going to go raid Belgorod Oblast, Belgorod uh, region in Russia. So they, they get into Russia. They start attacking their own. Russians are attacking Russians, basically, at this point now. And the response from the Russian side has been just revealing. They can't even control, they can't even control their own borders. And these raids keep happening, and... They're now sending Chechen warriors to try to defend and secure the Russian Belgorod border from these from these uh, Russian uh, legionaries that are coming over from Ukraine side, and it's just like, uh, it's just it's chaos, right? The, the, this fog and and people don't know, and the Chechens and the Russians that are coming to so called protect the citizens are actually robbing the citizens. They're stealing, they're stealing their electronics and all that kind of. It's just it's just so chaotic, and I haven't seen it quite at this level, um, even around the counteroffensive, there's a lot of operational security. So you're not hearing and you're not seeing the videos released, you know, like, like you were before, maybe they are coming after the fact. Um, and so Ukraine has made small strides into that, 
I think the second thing I would say is is that um, the counteroffensive will there there will be a breakthrough once all of the units engage from Ukraine because right now there's only a handful of battalions that are being sent out to kind of probe and see where the weak points in the defensive lines are. So we will see some kind of a breakthrough, and I think that's going to help determine where um, where more where more military power and concentration will be forced or will be had from the Ukrainian side and where right. they can actually make some proper incursions. Um, we've heard rumors of, you know, Tokmok and Mariupol getting, getting very, getting visits by Ukrainian, you know, recon units and that sort of thing. But again, it's, it's, these are all rumors. This is all non-confirmed at this point. So, but is it, but the Mariupol side, this is now in the Southeast. Yeah. The dam has affected this, correct? The dam has not affected no, because Mariupol is on um kind of it's north it's northeast actually of of Novokovka. So Oh it is. Yeah. And Mariupol is right on the on the Sea of Azov. So it's not quite affected, but um Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now I just kinda of put the yeah. geographically. Um, okay. You're gonna see more desperation, I think, from the Russian side. There was a a parade, not a parade. Uh, there was a speech that a Russian general was supposed to give, um, and I think he was actually a Chechen. He's part of the Russian military, uh, Russian Duma, actually the Senate and stuff. And he's mm. also general. And there was about two hundred soldiers that were gathered together, and a Ukrainian drone spotted them and waited for the guy to get there, and then they took him out. You're going to see stupid decisions like that. From the Russian side, you're going to see also desperation. I think they're nothing like, like I said. They don't. I don't think they have a red line uh, in terms of what kind of destruction they're willing to to yeah. inflict. And so there's going to be a lot of that. But I think just to kind of end and my my take on on this whole thing is we're going to see um, F-16s eventually make a difference or at least start to um, hamper some of the capabilities of of Russia from attacking Ukraine and and it seems like the momentum has fully rolled into uh, the world backing up Ukraine essentially until it wins. There's no more really talk of negotiation or like a soft exit for Putin because they have, they have seen what, what the army has done, what the doctrine is. And that's, that's just not going to happen anymore. Um, And I think also with some of the forces fighting, fighting, uh, you, in Ukraine, they are now also being beginning to fight themselves. So you've got the Wagner group with Prigozhin fighting against the Minister of Defense. Uh, there's there's a lot of activity going on there. There's a new there's new factions being already formed in Russia of who's going to take over after Putin's gone. And so uh, I think this war will decide some of the leadership of 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 what the new Russia could look like. Um, probably not good for, for Ukraine, for the States, but, uh, it's, it power, power doesn't like vacuum. And so that's trying to be filled as, as soon as possible. I think so we'll keep an eye on the news. I just, yeah, yeah, I, you're right. Let's keep an eye on the news and see what, oh man, see what comes. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
Take a break, everyone, if you need to. <laughs> We're about to dive in. All right. So with all that being said, there is um, some things we want to switch now to a little bit more stateside and specifically in the technology front. Uh, one of the big things that happened here this month was WWDC, that is the Worldwide Developers Conference at Apple. And uh, Apple unveiled some stuff. I think it might be worth noting just briefly, because that's not what stole the show. Uh, they came out with some new Macs. Yeah. Uh, one of their Macs is an upgraded version of one I'm looking at on my desk right now, the Mac Studio. Uh, the reports that I have seen from that are just mind-boggling for the fact of what that new one can do, yeah. even compared to the one I have, which is kind of wild. Anyways, um, they also came out with a bigger desktop Mac, that the Mac Pro, that which you've been waiting, I feel like, for actually more like 24 months, but that's whatever. It's a crazy factoid about that Mac Pro is that yeah. the new version, which costs, I think it's like $7,000. 7000 It's still, it's still very, very expensive. Very expensive without a screen or anything like that. Um, is faster than the maxed out $42,000 version of the previous generation that used Intel chips. So Apple has fully transitioned all of their devices, uh, all of their computers to Apple custom silicon, which is a huge, huge deal. They're about half a year late, but yeah, that's okay. Uh, and, uh, all that came, uh, we, Serge and I have been beta testing some new iOS software, which has been kind of fun. Um, yeah, iOS 17 is kind of the new one. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen something like anything that's been mind-boggling. Yeah. But. I feel like this one is, is... This is more of a... This is kind of more of a quality of life. They've got some nice features. I think yeah. one of the nicer things is the keyboard predictive text finally doesn't suck, which... For okay. you Android folks, you <laughs> you guys have been enjoying that probably for a long time. But um, now they use they actually use um, like a machine learning like a large language model to right, predict yeah. the next word. And so uh, there's a couple activities. I mean, or a couple I would say features that are nice. They have a standby mode which allows you to basically act have your iPhone act as like a display when you're charging in a landscape mode. So kind of cool there. They also have um, live activities, you know, that, that's, that's been improved. And you can also see um, with with widgets, you can actually interact with them. So if you have like a checkbox widget, you can actually click on the check uh, checkbox to mark it done or whatever, right? Like to be honest, list. I didn't know you could even do that. Well, you can't until I was I 17. did not. I, yeah. So when they, when they said that, I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean now we can do that? We Wid couldn't do that before? Yeah. Widgets before were just like glanceable information. And when you clicked on it, it just okay. took you to the app. Now okay. you can actually interact with the widgets bef without going to the app, yeah. which I think is kind of kind of a nice little uh, side thing. So okay. um, iPad got some updates as well. A lot of the a lot of the changes that were made in iOS 16 last year were finally brought over to iPad so you can customize the lock screen, all that kind of good stuff. But that's not really what uh, stole the show, I would say. No. And it was probably their longest developer conference keynote ever. I think it was a little bit over two hours. Uh, the thing that really stole the show was something that has been rumored, has been talked about, has been speculated about ad nauseum uh, for a couple years now. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and... <laughs> Look at some of the 
things and and tools that Apple has been developing and releasing, it all starts to make sense. You think so? Absolutely. Okay. They started with something called ARKit, so uh, Augmented Reality Kit. Okay, I see where you're going. A few years ago, right? And you're like, what is this for? Hmm. Your iPad... To pull it up in front of things and look at stuff. Yeah, yeah. You can basically place like like furniture. If you want to buy, you know, a website, you want to see what the furniture would look like in your house, you can use your iPad or your phone to place that piece of furniture there. And it's like, well, that's kind of a cool feature. That's that's pretty cool. But over the years, they've developed their technology, their code to to really, I think, culminate in what was released uh, earlier. Or Yeah, what okay. was released here in, uh, so what is it, Surge? So this is Apple's um, headset, <laughs> and know. it's called the Apple Vision Pro. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Surge's reaction. Let's oh go with gosh. Surge's reaction. <laughs> we 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 saw um, we saw leaks, quote unquote leaks, and and you know different artist renderings of uh, what it could be. Yeah. And thankfully, and actually, amazingly. The actual device, even the name of the device, was not leaked, which is just incredible. They probably had a couple thousand people working on this device over Jeez, over please. the years. So imagine, like, just not being able, to, not leaking this the name. Now it's it's uh so the Vision Pro is 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 basically a headset that you wear on your head, and it's got some. <laughs> cool technology <laughs> why are you laughing peter okay keep going keep going okay i'm reserving my comments so yeah this is over so um when you put it on it's got the what you're looking through is it's you're looking through two 4k displays basically so um 4k is is what is it four thousand four thousand pixels i, I don't, yeah, don't yeah. know the numbers Exactly, but it's it's the highest quality resolution that you can probably have at least uh, within conceivably be have within this the the viewport of this device, and so you're looking at it, and so um, the device basically you can see real world as as it is without any lag. You're not in some kind of virtual environment. You can actually see the real world. Right. Um, on the outside of the of the glasses, they have another display, which is another kind of genius way of um, of bringing you sort of into the moment. You're not actually escaping reality, but you're kind of kind of in the reality, right? Um, now, the way that Apple has designed it is you can actually see the person's eyes if you're approaching them and they're wearing this device. But you're, you don't, you're not looking at their eyes. But you're looking at a screen. You're looking at a screen that has... Has their eyes. Yep, captures their eyes. There's there's a bunch of cameras on this uh, on the Vision Pro that they, um, they built to project what your eyes look like. It looks a little bit uncanny. I mean, it's... it's not your actual eyes, but it's it's kind of uh, it's a representation, and it looks it looks a little bizarre. I'm not gonna lie. First impressions, but I get why it makes sense, right? I, I get why it makes sense. Yes. Um, so yeah, the design is gorgeous. Um, the the way that the interface works. So if you've ever used like an Oculus or or you know any sort of like MetaQuest or any of these. 
uh, VR devices, you put them on and you kind of go into this world, <laughs> this digital world, right? <laughs> you don't know what's going on around you. Um, and if you want to use it, you have to use uh, the, the resolution is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to either use you know, a controller or something like that to, to make it to, work. To be fair, I have never used one in my life. Okay. I've used one where uh, this is the earlier version where you can actually put your phone yes. inside of this little Okay, I guess I kind of did that one time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just terrible. Like you wear it, you, you immediately start losing balance proper right. balance yeah, because yeah. you're like where where am i you don't know exactly where things are at so if somebody's standing around you and you're starting to use your motion your hands and, and you know walking around like it, it's very easy to get distor- disorientated but also like if it was a phone it would get super hot within a minute or two the, i could feel a heat on my phone when i when i used it so didn't really like that apple obviously you know they spent probably many, many years building this thing. And so they figured out all the complaints, all the worst parts of what's out there today. I was going to say, they just listened to other people complaining yeah. and like, oh, okay. yeah, we can, oh, we can do that. Oh, glasses don't work well. With it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, we got a solution for that. Okay. Yeah, so they there's, um, and, and the way that a lot of these other VR headsets were positioned were essentially gaming devices. Right. So you could plug in, you could play bowling, you could do, you know, whatever shooting games they would come with. Some of them would come with controllers that you'd put on your hands or you'd like wrap around your wrist and, you know, mm-hmm. control it that way. Um, there was ones that I saw that have like a, uh, like an omnidirectional uh, treadmill that you can basically stand on this thing and you're kind of strapped to it. Yes. And you, can, you can basically run, right? Run like you, left, run right. Run <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. And gosh, that's gotta be weird. I mean, you're kind of supported by this, this, clasp around you but then you can run it's i don't know it's it looked probably i've never experienced that but i'm sure it it's not something you do long term and i think what apple did with with uh their vision pro and and they're calling the operating system vision os is it actually focused on productivity so when you put it on the headset i mean you go through kind of an onboarding where you you do some eye tracking and it tracks your eyes. The tracking of your eyes is insane. Yeah, I've but, heard that. That is actually just absolutely mind boggling. Yep. Yeah. But then when you when you go through the onboarding steps, you're essentially showing um, your living room or whatever wherever room you're at, and then there's kind of these translucent um, icons for messages for notes, like basically what you've been using on your iPhone. Yeah. And you just, the way it works is you you look at the icon, it tracks your eyes, it knows where it's at, it's got some kind of a device that or, or mechanism that shows you what you're looking at, and then you use your hand to, it again tracks your hands. Pinch, pinch and zoom. Pinch and zoom. You pinch your hands and then it, that's a click. And that opens up the application. And um, lo and behold, Vision OS has... A bunch, a bunch of app iPhone applications from day one. Uh, it can do the the extension of your desktop computer and yeah. or tablet seemed pretty amazing to yeah. me. So that was my thing when I was telling Serge, I'm like, if this thing can act like a secondary display or whatever you want to think of, and it can, or maybe another way to think is, it's like you can take your desktop with you. I'm sure you probably have to be maybe on the same network or nearby. I don't know, but um 
that was pretty amazing. So from a productivity standpoint, that was actually pretty mind blowing to me. And I thought that was actually pretty cool. Yep. Um, I will say that. There's a, there's a guy that, uh, t- his name is Ted Brown. He posted this post on LinkedIn, which I thought was really like level-headed and fair. So I'll kind of read a couple thoughts on what he said. Uh, he talked about the front display being the biggest innovation and also the biggest risk because, you know, the it's just, your eyes are like your gateway to your soul, right? And yeah. now you're kind of looking at someone, you're like, it's not really your eyes, but it looks weird. And, and so that could be a risk um, for for that and it seems it could seem detached you know um the other the other thing that he mentioned was again kind of they're building and they're building this as a general purpose device rather than the gaming device and they called it a spatial computer which i think is a pretty appropriate name for it um so it essentially you can use your mouse you can use your headphones you can use your your keyboard and actually truly use this as a computer um and that kind of that vision of of some device replacing the laptop is is coming closer i think with this um mm. possibly i <laughs> i wonder but okay yeah yeah the the other thing obviously is the big thing is so it's got it's got an external battery so this is a first-generation prototype product, right? And they're going to release it probably early next year. So I actually think they should keep that. The battery? Yes. Yeah. The battery pack is a cord that is basically to a, to a pack that you can put in your pocket or mm-hmm. you know wherever you're at, and it keeps the device charged. And you can also... Uh, I think the charge runs for about two hours is what they were saying. Mm-hmm. But it can be worked on all day long if you have it plugged into a power supply. So there's probably going to be third-party app developers and and companies that'll send send uh, or let you buy extension. I'm going to go and, for my uh, four-mile run with the with the Vision Pro, <laughs> but my backpack's going to be a battery. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, I could totally see a backpack battery sort of thing, right? You you just you wear it on your backpack. I'm running and I'm pinching and zooming in the air. <laughs> um, the <laughs> the price was another thing, and I saw some reactions to the keynote. That thirty five hundred dollars, thirty five hundred bucks. That doesn't listen. I it's it is a lot. I don't think that that is too crazy. To be fair, um, I'll give my quick two cents on what Sir just talked about. Listen. If it's an extension of your computer that you can take wherever you go, you are not tethered to a literal, literal physical computer, and you can just like walk around your house and like tap, think, pinch, and zoom, and like your your eyes are like selecting the things. I think that's the thing that people don't understand yeah. is the eye tracking capability is wild. Um, you can sit down, you can sit on your couch. You don't even need a TV anymore. You can literally have your TV up on the left hand side. You can open up a chat on the left hand right hand side with yeah. your eyes. You can be watching your shows, everything of this nature, with the Vision Pro. You don't need a TV necessarily uh, at all. Well, technically. So I don't know how much an OLED TV costs, but that's probably $1,500. At least. Think of this as like, I don't even know what your what the scale would be. Because it's through your eyes, and it, it can be probably as big as you want it. You can make it bigger with your pinching and zooming. I mean, 
Yeah. So I, I I look at the price and I think, yeah, that's that's a little crazy, but this is this is like revolutionary, like truly revolutionary, in my opinion, based on what I've yeah heard and what people have seen. Everyone who's put it on and said, like, this is just this is really, 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 really amazing. Um, and you interact with your environment uh, closely. So um, those are those are my, if you will, constructive, <laughs> non humorous <laughs> views of the thing. So go yeah. ahead and go ahead and state anything else here. Yeah. I need to. Um, yeah. I think it, it brings like a, you know, a really immersive environment to, to anything you're doing. So they've got this, this feature called uh, spatial photos and spatial videos, which looked a little bit just weird. I'm just not going to lie. It looked weird on stage because they showed a picture of a guy wearing one. And then basically capturing yeah the he, moment. Took, he took a photo of his kids they were playing on the floor and then you can kind of like project that like you could almost you could almost see your kids in three dimensions on the floor again when you when you watch that photo look just uncanny but oh, was that okay I yeah didn't, i didn't connect that like that okay. yep yeah but um i think some of the productivity things that that you mentioned to peter uh, like you know imagine I like having three desktops or three mm-hmm. three monitors at, at my work. You know, imagine having one massive one on this side, one massive one here. You could build, probably shuffle them around so you could have all your stuff visible at any point. Um, but, videos become super immersive too. If you're watching a movie or something, it becomes like you can basically, and there's a dial that you can actually um, show kind of the transparency of what you see. So you can either see in front of you, like like mm-hmm. you and I are sitting right here, mm-hmm. or you can just, I can turn Peter turn off. It. Exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> just, and just uh, look at what's on this inside the screen. So, yeah. So, welcome everyone to your new future. You will now be able to work while you're going to the bathroom. Um, uh, and uh, okay so here's my comedial thing that, okay that picture thing that they're showing that like looks yeah. like special I'm like yeah the kids aren't wearing a headset but the parent is wearing a headset capturing this thing yeah and it looks weird yeah I will say this much it is weird no one can tell me I mean it's like this guy is like working while he's making oatmeal for the family <laughs> right I mean, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but then he can interact. And like it's got the picture of his eyes that are on the front side yeah. of things. And it still looks a little funky. Yeah. Okay. There's just nothing about that that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, I, I mean, it, they keep acting like there's one person only that's got this thing on. Okay. Yeah. You don't see two people no, together. There's no, right? you never see two people with the thing on together. Uh, that's my first thing looking at the promo video to be like, okay. Now, personally, I still like the idea of being able to walk around and work yeah. on stuff. So if I'm going to get it, it's primarily because of that. Okay. But, <laughs> sorry, there's a, there's, a, there's a comedian who talks about all these, you know, elites talking like, well, what? What are the... What are the what are the what are the people doing? You know, types and mm. and like it's very much like this class thing type scenario. Mm. And I just told Serge, I'm like, okay, got it. Oh gosh, Siri, you're listening. Okay, 
Um, but it's one of those things where you're just like, there are people who are going to go to work. They're going to come home. They're going to, are you kidding me? They're going to eat their food with the thing on their head. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. And then they're just going to sit on their couch. They'll be like, oh, I can finally block out the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Riff raff. And and then there's a part of me that thinks this can go the other direction. Mm. You could have mass adoption of this thing by the public, and they are escaping the reality of the world around them. Yeah. Um, in a weird way. Like, I can have my nice things in my virtual world. Because it does look amazing. Yeah. Oh, and this is actually when I was looking at that, I'm like, well, that actually makes it look like, oh, I can escape to my moon that I live somewhere, yeah. you know, you know, or something like that. And yeah, we're going to strap big battery packs on our backs and just live in that world for hours at <laughs> nighttime. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll open our eyes on the front screen and tuck our kids goodnight and say, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, why are your eyes so big? It's so weird. <laughs> it's like, Yes. And then we'll get frustrated at our at everyone around us when our battery pack fails. We didn't charge it properly. Yeah, so we got screen breaks. We gotta enter reality. We feel the air on our eyes <laughs> and we're like, oh gross. Gross. Oh man. Um you know, people will talk to us and be like, You're so talking in two D. I experienced the three D with my headset. Yeah. So that's that's the world we're headed to now. I actually this is my you know this is <laughs> I mean, it looks amazing. I want to be very clear. It looks amazing, but I'm like, this feels very Black Mirror-ish. Oh, yes. Yes. Like, it's just, there's nothing about it that you're like, oh, this is, this is, this is like. This is just a new normal. We're right going to be, we're yeah, it's like, this is going to be the best thing in the world. It's like, you're looking at this thing like, it's cool. It might be even more productive. But I mean, our worker, I mean, our company's going to be like, you strap this thing on yourself <laughs> when you go to the break room. You better be typing that up right now while you're eating. You know, yeah. yeah. It's Joe. Uh, yeah. Joe, you leave that thing on. There's the privacy section where you can hide your private parts when you're going to the bathroom, <laughs> but you keep working right now. Stop it. That's true. There's cameras that are pointed down. Uh, right. Exactly. That actually track <laughs> that track your finger movements and stuff. And I'm. <laughs> You know, there's gonna be some some guy out there, some gal out there that's probably not quite covered down there, and you're like, "What?" Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, now yeah. you're gonna have to wear real pants on the Zoom meetings. Yeah. So if you thought, I mean, how does that even work, anyways? Okay, if so your camera is they're gonna be looking at your eyes in the Zoom meeting. Well, here's how it works. They actually have a they developed a way to kind of show avatars. So oh god, and it looks so. Remember Meta realistic? Yeah, it looks pretty realistic. Um, you know, Meta Mark Mark Zuckerberg is it, is it if I move my arms, is it moving my arms with the Avatar to Avatar two? Excuse me. Uh, I think so. I think so. Kind of the, the what's my background? Well, it can be whatever. Um, here's a funny kind of comparison image of uh, Meta versus Apple. Apple's, oh wow! Apple's looks like you. Like it looks. Holy cow! That looks like a real looks person. amazing. And then Mark Zuckerberg's looks like a cartoon. <laughs> Just the meta. It's a massive like it's wow. a massive striking difference, right? 
Okay, that looks pretty wild. Did that just sell you, Peter? I can't believe that's not real. That guy's not real. Yeah, it's your avatar. What? So, <gasps> so that's how they're positioning like FaceTime calls and that sort of thing. And and uh, oh my word, yeah. Why why would you ever want to live in reality? Yeah, I can it's have like, my touched up beautiful face. Yeah, totally. Three, they're 3D avatars. I can be whatever I want. Absolutely. You can create multiple avatars, I'm sure. Oh, my word. So um, it's it's kind of oh like word. Ready Player One, if you've ever seen that or, or read it. I have not. Oh and I've seen it's, a lot of people have talked about it. Basically, that. everybody lives in VR. No, this looks like it's going to be that way. Yep. Yep. It's at least the beginning of it, right? Um, so they, they've solved that problem. I think they've like, they've literally solved every single problem that you could have. I was going to say, today's, they know. seem to answer every issue because they were always like, oh, what about people with glasses? And like, we have Zeiss lens that yeah. can come in and get them. And I was like, holy cow. Yeah, you can, you can basically get so, your prescription right in your Vision Pro. So here's my question on this. <laughs> Still, it's, I think, Okay. This leads me to another thing. This may be a transition a little bit slightly while we're on this. Unless there's maybe something. I else. have some more thoughts on this. You have some more thoughts? Okay. Thing, but yeah, right. yeah, go ahead. Okay. Can I just say this, everyone? We need to understand something about this technology. It is amazing. It is cool. It is awesome. We have a problem. We have a problem. Society? Well, I'm not talking even about culture society. I'm talking like there are some physical limits here that we're all going to have to understand. Yeah. Um, there was a guy recently at Congress who was talking about EV batteries. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they wanted to have like a EV, like a plow or something like that. The amount of how heavy that battery was completely defeated the purpose it was a joke yeah it was a joke so what i'm trying to say is this for everyone to have one of these infrastructure wise and resource wise i don't want to be some weirdo here but like i see problems so I, I feel like this this is this is the start where you do have people that start to diverge for multitude of reasons They'll say thirty five hundred dollars. I'm not spending thirty five hundred dollars on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Even if it gets to fifteen hundred dollars, I don't think they're gonna do it. Because like, I don't want to be some weird strap on, <laughs> you know, thing on the forehead. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. My friend Jimmy got into that, and all he wants to do is, I mean, imagine, imagine World of Warcraft growing up yeah. with this thing. Yeah, people. I had a roommate who played. He literally played all night. Yeah. Slept an hour, woke up, went to work, came back, repeat. Yeah. Repeat. I I keep looking back at I mean his weekends were longing for this. I think this is the part that makes me nervous. Yeah. Partly because that avatar you showed me, if that gets open to developers, it is. That would be your girlfriend. That yeah. would be your boyfriend. Yeah. They would say whatever you want. Whatever you want. Sydney, right? Sydney. Oh, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
You will, you will literally, when the battery dies, you will, this is the prop, people, hear me out. This is the one thing that makes me nervous. When the battery dies and you have to take the thing off for whatever reason, your dopamine levels will go down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, dude. Right? You will feel sad. The first, I've, I've, I've heard some. What is that? Where, that's not, that's new. I'm. I mean, we did get our hits with our phone and you know iPad, yeah. and com- I completely get that. But, but this is play, like you on can your, put your phone down. But this, right? you know, people say like, "Oh, you're so focused on your phone." It's like now imagine I have everything in my peripheral taken out. Yeah. Now what are you going to say? You know, get off your, get off your Vision Pro. But like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. Here, you strap one on too, or something like that. Like people will be in bed. Together, and they will have two Vision Pros strapped on their foreheads. <laughs> you know they will. Yeah, honey, let's uh, let's read the book. Do you want to read uh, the analog copy, or do you want to read on your Kindle? No, let's read in Vision Pro. I'll just make the screen like fifty feet across. Right? It's like, oh, oh, you, oh, you don't want to read that? Time? Okay, well, I still want. Okay, yeah, honey, that's fine. Just just throw it up on your screen, and I'll yeah. I'll read mine. Listen, I think. The, so the biggest, I think the biggest challenge to this. I didn't even think about running with the thing. Is that even possible? I'm doing that. If I get like, I'm going down Cliff Avenue in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Just, this is like a pretty busy street. Just start running with a Vision Pro strapped to my head, looking at cars. <laughs> And I'll be there to videotape this. Peter. Oh my we'll word! Make sure that we get this. Uh, people be shared. like beep 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 beep. It's <laughs> just like, here's the thing. Listen, okay. I'll make a <laughs> with case. a shirt that says "The New Normal." Get on train or <laughs> get on the train or something. <laughs> What's your vision look like? Yeah. Um, I think. Okay. I think you can sell this for a. <laughs> Depending on the software, you can right? sell this to people who want to escape everyone around right. them. Well, listen, you can and 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 companies are like just you know what? We'll let them have as much fun with Netflix time as them. But when they step in this door, they are ours. They keep that thing yeah. on their head. Imagine being required to wear a battery pack. That's people. <laughs> that's that's where we're going. Okay, continue, continue. Um, I I can see a couple. You know, a couple smart things that Apple did with this. I think number one thing is if you look at the cost of this thing, right? 3500 bucks, outrageous. That's first gen product. But, you know, so was the Tesla model. What is it? Tesla Roadster. It's like $150,000, right? Outrageous price. Yes. Only the very rich could afford that. And then eventually they did the Model S, then the Model X, Model 3. And now it's like, you know, you could probably buy one for like $30,000 with tax credits and whatnot. So there's that part of it, right? This imagine, is definitely imagine tax credits for the Vision Pro. Oh, Anyways, keep this going. is definitely aimed at a certain segment of the of the population that's going to be able to afford and kind of has a disposable income to do that. Uh, this this is aimed at everyone who wants to escape reality. Well, and that too, right? The second part of that, I think, if you go to a company right now and you you you, you get hired and they're like, what? You know, a lot of times they'll ask you if you work in in tech. They'll ask you what what kind of platform do you want to work? Oh, well, I'd, I'd like a I'd like a MacBook Pro, and I need you know, let's say two monitors. Okay, that's going to be about five thousand dollars. Or 
we can offer you a Vision Pro with keyboard and mouse. And and you can have 15 monitors if you want inside of that and, thing. Oh, gosh. And I, it, <sighs> it sounds bizarre, but I could definitely see some companies going that direction. Um, the second thing I want to say is that... Who's taking to take a selfie with this thing? I don't know if you can even. No, you just take a selfie with your avatar. Well, maybe. The second thing I want to say is Apple didn't really announce a killer app for this, I wouldn't say. Like they can announce kind of their 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 standard ecosystem, but we all know what really makes the iPhone the iPhone is is the apps, right? You can have all kinds of apps that do, you know, whatever you want to do. So they're obviously going to open up the App Store. And I think it works really, really well for a couple, you know, just obviously intuitive industries, right? You've got anyone that's doing any kind of 3D design, they, you know they're going to buy the, these things by the, by the truckloads. If you're modeling, doing 3D modeling of cars or airplanes or any sort of like thing that requires a three-dimensional model, this is amazing. Another thing that I talked to uh, talked to a friend of mine, and we were kind of just you know talking banter about this whole thing. He works at a uh, plumbing company. Mm-hmm. Do you know what plumbers do? They buy this super expensive, I think ten thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollar device. It's basically a three D VR device that they use to walk through the plans and make sure that all the plumbing is correct before they start doing any work yeah and he's like oh my company's gonna buy a bunch of these and i'm like really a plumbing company makes sense right somebody's gonna build the software that you could do this or that company's gonna build the software where you can just download the app on your vision pro and there you go and it's going to be much better much cheaper and more enjoyable to use than you know what these proprietary companies are building right now so we're going to have some use cases for this thing that we're not even, we couldn't even imagine right now because we just don't know what what's out there, what developers are, are willing to do. So that's kind of one one side of it, right? The second side, which I'm a little bit on the edge, on the fence about, is 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 really just social acceptance, right? So when when you get your phone... And you get, I remember people started getting, you know, iPhones around here. I'm trying to imagine walking, going to my local yeah. gas station, filling up with a headset on. Can I do that? Yeah, you could. I could tell. Can I drive with those, these things on? That's a good question. I don't know. You probably could, but you, you, I, I wouldn't be, wouldn't if be I surprised get, if, if I get pulled start doing laws around this thing, right? If you I can't. get pulled over and be like, what are you talking about? I can see my rate of mileage. Look, look at, at my eyes. Day. Look at my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, your eyes look bloodshot. No, they don't. Sir, you need to take that thing off. No, that is that's a violation of my rights. It's part, it's part of me This is now. a part of me now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think social acceptance is going to be an interesting thing because, okay. You, you think. Oh, I know it is. I know it's for a fact it's going to be. Listen, it, I homes, homeschool my kids. I see this as like another one of those things that's just going to drive people like just a complete abandonment of. I, I just can't imagine. But this is, this is where it's headed, isn't it? 
It is. I mean, it, Google Glass looks less weird than this. In some ways, yeah. Yeah. Google Glass, if you don't remember, this was like early, what is it, early 20, like like 2012, 2013, yeah. something like that. Is like this little prism that as you wear, right. there's no glass or anything, just a little this little, little prism, prism there. And it sort of augmented the reality, but I think this is just this is another level. This of, is this is of social. This is acceptance. fully immersive. Okay, so you've got like a couple scenarios that are running through my mind. You, you know, someone's going to have one on an airplane. I think are you going to have kids have these? That's a, another question. Like this is gonna, I mean, I think I think teachers might say my kids will be actually able to touch or actually see the dinosaurs in real life. Yep. There's there's definitely an educational side to it, which they even have a demo. Is it an educational advantage? This is these are the questions I feel like we don't have the answer. It's it's the whole quite frankly, people, just think of this as a parent. We're all Serge and I are both parents. It is weird when we're looking at AI now, because we're like, man, it used to be like, why are we teaching this stuff to kids? Yeah. They can just Google it. Yeah. Now it's like, well, that even that statement seems outdated at this point yeah. in time. Oh, totally. Like what do we do? And it's like, well, you always will need somebody who understands. It's like, yeah, but but you're, our children are going to be stuck in this weird conundrum where it's like, yeah, I'm learning this. I'm even learning math. But this thing will do computational math in three seconds and give me the answer right now. Yep. Yep. It's even worse than that. It's not even Google it. It's it will tell me why it matters. It will tell me how to learn it. Right. That's not Googling like what is the answer to blank. It's literally generating the content. It's generating the content and the context around it. Anyways, keep going. Yeah, no, I and now you're strapping something on your forehead that's gonna anyways. I mean open AI is gonna have an app for this, by the way, people. Think about that. Well, their their current app will work for it. The what? The current app will work for it. That's right. All the iPhone apps out there that they will theoretically work for this day one. Right? And this is the whole thing about Apple's ecosystem that a lot of people love to hate because they're like, well, once you get an Apple, you can't really go back. Well, this is kind of why, this is the nice hedges that they trim and they make it beautiful and amazing. It's hard to get out of there, but when you're there, you're like, man, this this is amazing. I can take a... I can text from my laptop and I'm, then pick up the messaging on my iPad and then, you know, my Apple Watch so, will, like, it's it's all I'm amazing, so, right? Oh, so going to run with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I should get on the bike with this thing. That would yes. Be, Actually, that's a better way. That's uh, a better thing to start with. Yeah. That would be something else. Start with the bike just to see yeah. what it's like and then see if you can go run. I could totally see. It's uh, tethered or, to your phone. It's tethered to 5G, right? So you yeah, just yeah. I could totally see like a biking app that says, um, here's some train, like a training interval, right? Hey, like, it shows you the path of what you're supposed to go. It shows you the path, but also like. Um, no, it li- actually yeah. demoed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll show you the path. But like, hey, in this training t- interval, go 20 miles an hour, right? People, people, they showed you the path. What they're trying to do is make it socially normal. Which. You wouldn't demo that otherwise. Yeah. My my take is the social acceptance of this thing will, will be a hurdle at, at the very minimum, right? Oh, it it will be until 
until a quarter of the population in New York has got this thing strapped to their forehead. <laughs> Walking around, yeah. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's normal. Like, like AirPods, remember when AirPods came out? It looked weird. There's no cable, and people were walking around, and this was like, and then someone you're trying to talk to somebody, and they they take out their buds. Now it's just like totally normal. It, everyone's doing it that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you know you're gonna have the the guy on the on the plane or the gal on the plane. With, what happens with, with when Vision Pro? What happens when you're benching and the bar comes down and lands on your face? <laughs> Cracks the screen. Oh. You know, it's funny, people, there'll be an initial like, ow, and then there'll be a frustration of, oh, it's broken. No, real life. Yeah. That's the thing that I don't think people, I, I don't think we understand. I don't think we understand that. You will, you will have, you will be craving the dopamine hit when you take it off. Yeah. And it, by the way, this isn't even talking social media, even though those apps will work just fine there. I'm literally talking about the experience, right? They showed um, Disney is is an early partner to the Vision Pro, um, and they showed Disney movie, and uh, oh, you gosh. you could basically uh, you can you know obviously watch the movie, but on the periphery of the movie, on the sides of it, you could see character details, you could see all the stuff. You know, the killer thing that I think would be amazing is watching a sports game in 3d so imagine you've got a football game or basketball game and instead of you're just changing the angles yeah oh you're just changing the angles yeah so you've maybe you've got a you know at at the front you've got the screen of the actual game going on but then right below that there's a 3d model of the game played out in real time and you could zoom in you could see like that that experience would be amazing that would yes. be amazing, right? And and for the cost of less than a season season tickets for some of these, you know, sporting events, you could have one of these things. And some people will use that to justify buying one. They're like, yeah, it cost me $10,000 yeah. for season and tickets. Listen, I could get three of these the, for my the, family. It It's smart enough to know when your kids are running up and it like kind of opens it up so you can see your kids' faces. They're talking yeah. to you on the screen. And yep. so you can say, yeah, go Go play, and then you somebody gonna be like, "Well, you know, you should be interacting." Like, do you think I should be interacting with my parent with my kids when my favorite thing to do is strap on a device <laughs> to my forehead? Do you think that's the parent you want? And these, so, this is a this is a good good thing for society. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we will be taking pills for dopamine hits. Oh my word! Imagine being drugged out in this thing. Oh, you know that's you know someone's Holy gonna cow. someone's gonna be smoking a joint and then you know put on their Vision Pro and then turn on some kind of visualization or app or something. You know that's gonna happen, right? Here's so, the thing: we we don't know what this thing is actually fully capable of until we get it in our hands. Yeah, no, but we know that the the. It's in like the beta, and they're showing it to people, and all the people that have put this thing on, they're like, "This is crazy." Yeah. By the way, one of the things that has hit me, and I understand, I understand there were probably something nice about the physical realm, but like one thing has hit me: so like, am I going to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a ticket to go to Hawaii? Hmm. Interesting. I'm trying to figure out, is this going to help tourism or is this going to hurt tourism? 
because you can experience it. Yeah. You and I have talked about this. We're going to throw you're going to throw on the Calm app on your Vision Pro. The meditation the app. The meditation yeah. app. Yeah. Dude, there's just scenes where like it's underwater or it's at a clear yeah. brook and it's babbling. You'll be like, "Oh, Yeah. And to all you who are like, I knew it, you're just going to be stuck in front of Netflix watching time. No, I'm going to be stuck in front of nature all the time. <laughs> I'm going to put it on. I'm going to, I'm going to look at the babbling brook in real life and be like, this is subpar. This is, I need the, because the, the 3D audio is like, yeah, it's, 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 it's like a vibe, audio, it's yeah. spatial audio. And it's like on your skull. So you experience it like, Seems like a vibration almost a little bit with the with I don't know the sound. Does yeah, I don't know if sense? there's a vibration, but there's it's they've basically engineered again. This thing is like, I mean, over engineer is not even the word. This thing is like super optimized. So they've optimized obviously the viewing experience, the gestures, yeah, and even the audio is 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 spatial. So like well, something even- that like a car driving past you, right? You you hear the sound faintly and then it's really loud and then it kind of fades out they have that already i mean they have that in ipads or airpods right now but it's just another level with the vision pro people it's better than real it's better than real better than real better than, there was um you know when we go uh when i go deer hunting with my dad uh we'd have these earmuffs that like amplify the sound mm-hmm. and when you if you'd fire a gun or if you if you just even clap the hands next to the mic it would shut off because mm. it would know it's too loud. Yep. These things are going to act even more engineered than those things to experience it more in, in, in a whole new way. And by the way, what was funny about those, just as a quick side note, the side with was because there was no like engineering behind it. A squirrel could land on a on a leaf. It would sound like somebody was stepping right behind you. Wow. I mean, it was just it Seriously? was it was just amplification, like just on a weird level. So, but this is to me, I this is my problem. Is this going to amplify things in a whole new way? I mean, quite frankly, people, maybe we'll have an appreciation for things again in a whole new perspective. You could throw this on now, and you could play that exact video I just played of those guys clearing mm-hmm. the trenches on the Russian side of Ukraine and be like, oh, yeah, this is freaky stuff. Yeah. This is a different experience. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, and I think that's what they're that's what they're pushing is just this is a you know, your your iPhone, your your phone, your computer, they're all flat 2D services that have some poor 3D, you know, capabilities. This is like like I, I'm I'm reading a a story of someone that's actually played with this thing in real life and they're like the the thing that really uh stood out as the best experience is the spatial videos and photos um never experienced anything like it before the vividness was the thing that stood out it was as if you could walk into the scene and engage with the people and object it's going to revolutionize memories okay that's what this guy said yes and so it imagined for i mean there's there's so many things that you could use this for right even like you don't have a family photo album. You just have spatial memory. Right, now. but now this is bringing up questions that we were going to have to understand differently. Uh, imagine the YouTube 20 years from now 
where you actually experience. Yeah, you're there, right? The historical event of whatever X it was. Yeah. Right? That it will be educational in a whole new way. Um, also, you know, one could argue, you know, should we be reliving our seventh, you know, birthday every year? <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, there's like stuff here that we, we just don't, are going to be trapped in our memories. I mean, is that what's going to happen to us millennials? We're like, we remember a time when it was different. Our grandpas fought in the World War, you know. And so yeah. It's like, and now, and now we're, you know, watching videos. I also think that based on some of this technology, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of like what Peter, um, oh, the never grow old. They will never grow old. Um, doc, who did the Who did the Tolkien movies again? Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. Yeah. Peter Jackson did the documentary on World War That's One. That's right. That's right. He took World War One footage. Yeah. Slowed it down. Stabilized added, it. Stabilized yep. it. Added color. By the way, this is before OpenAI people. Um. Did all this stuff. They added voices of the right people from the right, once they figured out the colors, and they brought it back to life. It's wild. I think everyone should go see it. But this to me thinks that, are they going to start doing that now where they're going to start adding frames and making these things 3D-ish? Yeah. Just oh. based on just based on the stuff that we still have today. You know it's going to be that way, right? Because they're, they're shooting a lot of stuff right now in 3D, like the new Oppenheimer movie that um, is coming out. Oh, really? It's shot in IMAX 3D, right? Um, but in some ways you have to, like to get the full, the 3D experience, you have to wear the stupid glasses, which I've always hated those glasses. But now you'll be able to see it. But now imagine somebody shooting the next movie with Vision Pro and there's probably going to be some kind of a, you know, codec or some well, kind Disney's of Disney's already doing this, right? Well, yeah, they're partnering with Disney. So there's going to be some kind of a way to save the file to, to work for like a Vision Pro or whatever other device. And... And imagine, like, it's not just going to be a little bit better or a little bit more clear. Like you said, you can theoretically put yourself in the action. And that, I think that'll change movie experience forever. Right. Which leads me to, can we transition now? Yeah. Because I feel like this is a good transition moment. Which leads me to, we are on the cusp of something new. Yes. That came out. Um, around this time recently, since we last talked, NVIDIA had their conference. Mm-hmm. And NVIDIA stock prices shot up rapidly because of the things they announced. Um, one of the things they de- de- demoed and showcased, which people, once again, once again, <laughs> why stick in reality? It's coming. You could experience, they showed a game and you talk, go to this person and you talk to the person in the game, which is AI, and it responds to you dynamically. Hmm. So if any of you have ever played games, you'll go up to somebody and they'll be like, what question do you want to ask? Can you select with the A or B? Yeah, like an NPC, You right? just ask a question. Yeah. You literally ask the question and the, per- and the avatar responds to you. Um. In other words, even though this is like, this is version 1.0, I think you can start to build relationships with these things. Yeah. And then we'll stick on the Vision Pro on top of that, and we'll just be experiencing it all together in one big 
One big happy dystopian dystop- family. Dystopian. Well, no, <laughs> but they feel more real than the real ones here, Serge. So that was part of it. They also are getting really into um, with with the AI revolution. A lot more is being focused now instead of on CPUs on GPUs, mm. and so they're really investing hard into that. So I think it's interesting. It's just interesting to see how this company has just like taken off. There's so much hype around it. And then lastly, um, and by the way, this is one of those things that last year people were like, "Well, you know, it costs like a hundred times more than a Google search." Yeah. Um, OpenAI is getting faster for cheaper or maybe same price but faster, maybe however you want to look at that. So they came out with something called um, uh, 16K here recently, which is uh, like 3.5, 16K, something like that. And it was basically an attempt to say you can generate more response from a single question or a single interaction. And uh, personally, I have... Um, been playing with the API and stuff of this nature, with writing articles and stuff of this nature. I can tell you right now, obviously you need to maybe do some digging into it and research it, and st- there's still some like time with it. But I can create a you know, $1,500, $2,000, maybe $2,500 article for maybe about six to six to nine cents. Cents? Hmm. Cents. So what does that mean? And um, by the way, GPT-4 is on a completely different level. That same thing would be a dollar. Mm. It's But it's much better, It's though, like right? 10x the cost, yeah. yes. So um, so we're not there yet, but, but just keep that in mind. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have not talked about AI a lot here, um, and I don't think we will spend much time on this, but I, I do just want to end on this. Um, it seems like Google's in a really good spot, and some people have stated they've uh, had uh, had some Google demo, some AI stuff to them, and they are just completely in awe. So I wouldn't count them out at all. This fear of what's going to happen is maybe a little underrated. However, the landscape is changing. I mean, we just talked about two crazy things just now between Nvidia and yeah. Apple that are going to have some effect. And at the end of the day, you and I will still need to search for something. Mm-hmm. That's never going away. Yep. I mean, because sometimes we're going to have to figure out how do we fix the leak that's dripping onto my Vision Pro? I need somebody <laughs> to fix the roof. Okay. How do I get blackout curtains to make it just a little, just a just an edge more immersive, you know? Right? Yeah. How do I get somebody to come spoon feed me while I enjoy this <laughs> experience? We're going to oh, need to search for someone to help us. How do I us. intubate myself? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Is there a way I can keep my body just still and not let it be apathetic? Yeah. And just stay here in bed for 48 hours? Yeah. Okay, we will need to still search. Muscle stimulation. We, yes, uh, we will still patches, need right? to search for these things. Yes, yes. So even if I got a Vision Pro strapped to my head, even if I'm talking to some avatar from NVIDIA in my Vision Pro, where is this coming from? Yeah. 
By the way, the things I just stated, mark my words, people. Just go just go create the articles now on that and just watch the traffic slowly start to creep up over the next 16 months. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, we will still need to search. And so the question is still is now, what is that going to look like? And that is seems to be up in the air. And it does seem like there's going to be some dis- disruption. These plugins that you can add to... Uh, Open AI, like yeah. Expedia and stuff of this nature. Some people have argued like this that just means it's the end of Expedia. Possibly. Because it's it's not basically invisible now. It's part of the it's part of the yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So cause then cause what's gonna prevent somebody else from adding their stuff to that? So anyways, I still have to say it is still very much a little bit very much in the clear. If you will, the fog of AI. Um, yeah, and this search is demoing this generative search thing that Google has been has released to the public. Um, I'm in the search ads industry, so we're just going to experience my downfall in the next eight, sixteen months. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but here's the reality, and I do want to bring this up. Is somebody asked me about this? Here's the problem for Google and everyone else is you have to make this sustainable. Yeah. And be, to be abundantly clear, everyone, Google's 70% of its revenue comes from ads. Like 40% of the business, or 50%, is coming from like search ads, what people are searching for. Do yep. you think Google's going to let that slip away? It can't. How, how, how you can't you can't let that happen. You might you might be able to take a hit for like a quarter or two, but you can't keep doing that. So this generative AI thing, which in my world is going to be probably, I, I I actually potentially foresee Google so ingrained in people. If Google can continue to keep itself positioned well, it's still going to do well. Yeah. The generative AI search thing that you see, where it's going to be an AI is going to respond. Oh, you know these things could be a value. Um, I will still be able to place ads in that section, which by the way means even more so that the stuff underneath it when it comes to organic traffic is going to be pushed even further down. Yes. Even yeah. further down. Like, that's the thing that people don't understand is, you right now, if I was to search for, um, like, Repair X, whatever it is, there's going to be something called local service ads that come up that are Google guaranteed. Then it's local search ads, or search ads, period. Then it's the map hack. And then you finally get to organic listings. Yeah. So generative AI search is just going to be like maybe above one of those things, maybe the top thing. I can see that, but I, I can't even see how that would change over time. So in other words, you will have to dig for that, which comes back to the concept of like, who's going to do that well? Who's going to do that well? Yeah. Google's still going to have to pull this information. You still need new information. So where's that going to come from? And, you know, it's not... You know, it's not like the massive thing like search, but display advertising, by the way, is from people visiting websites, Mm -hmm. like news sites, like weird niche sites. If you're into Magic the Gathering or something like that, you go to a Magic the Gathering site, there's like these little ads on the side. That's how that guy's Mm -hmm. making money. And that's, by the way, that's how Google's making money. So if you give the answer to things too fast and don't allow that, you take a hit on revenue between search ads and or the display ads on these actual websites. This is the thing that 
people don't understand, I, I just feel like, is that you thought ads were like maybe going to like take a hit. They are going to become even more valuable, in my opinion. Interesting. Because what's this generative AI search, there's going to be some clients like, I need to be in that. There's two things. There's the organic side of things, like how do you populate mm-hmm. that? And number two, how do you get to ad be space. one of those ads in that ad yep. space? Also, if, by the way, I will give this word of warning, and I know I need to probably just do my own podcast for my business on this, probably or a little announcement, but if you sell anything that is like e-commerce-wise, like an actual physical item, yeah, right, that you can find in Google right now, normal search, it shows up as like in the shopping section, you need to switch... You need to become an e-commerce store like now, right now. Uh, and search can can maybe demo this. If you search for like bike thing or something, something, something that's got like actual physical product, what's going to happen is the generative AI search is going to show up and it's going to provide a bunch of example product listings in the generative AI search, which is going to take you to Google Shopping. Yep. You need to have a commerce account for that. Which Here means you, you need to have an e-commerce store, an e-commerce feed to feed that to even have a chance to show up there. So if you don't have this, if you're not doing it, like, yeah, ex- look at that, right? Yeah, that's exactly That's it. exactly yeah. it. If you don't have this, you're not going to be there. It's yeah. not even the fact that you're, you, you might have a hard time ranking locally. You, you might not even be showing up at all. Like, this is a thing that I don't think like, this is the stuff that is going to like be a wrecking ball. Yeah. And force, <laughs> force force the digitization of more of more stuff. So sorry, I was just trying to trying to imagine this. So so somebody's got their Vision Pro strapped to their head and they're searching for stationary bikes, you know, so their muscles don't <laughs> ap- become apathetic. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> Peloton partners with Apple. Right. right? Yes. <laughs> I have one. So yeah. 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 I, I think the search. You know the the like you're saying the AI AI is really forcing a lot of companies to um look through their their offering and what they can do oh, and, and how they can actually. Be impactful because I've been using this generative search on Google. Like, you know, normally you type in like I type in carbon road bike. You type that in, you normally get like, well, here's what that is. Here's the right. top ranked website. Track comes up, and then you've got some questions, and then you've got some other. Then there's like a little shopping section. Now it can actually take information from all random sources, generate this, uh, generate this section right so- above everything, right. and then you can shop from here now. Right. So what happens when you click on that right now? Yeah. Opens up a Google, a Google Shopping. It opens up Google Shopping, right? Yeah. So this this is what I'm talking about. Google Shopping, when it comes to physical products, if you offer that, this is this is why it's crazy. Is you could be an independent, like let's say hardware store. Yeah. And you have, I don't know, paint, right? I know that that paint only costs a certain amount of dollars, but if you don't have that on an e-commerce store, e-commerce version of that for your website, for your store, trust me, anyone who's got anything 
like that across the internet, yeah. let alone locally who does that, will have that there. Yeah. And then people will be even paying to advertise in front of those listings yeah. with their e-commerce store. I am telling you, it is not going away. Google honestly is a little was should be a little freaked out, but at the same time, they're probably salivating at what the potential is here as well. Totally. I mean, can you imagine everything? Just oh my word. Anyways, keep going. Okay. Yeah, no, that's I'm I'm kind of done at this point in time. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, welcome to, welcome to the new world. Yeah. Um, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. You're going to pay for your headset. You're going to pay for your digital space. You're going to pay for the digital meals to come into you with some, uh, some can I, if I can act slightly in upper class here, some peon person to come spoon feed you in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> for your muscle stimulation Vision glass will, right? will kind of do a little bit of a translucent thing so you can tap your kids goodnight and say goodnight, children. <laughs> and then you continue to... To, uh, so yeah. let me ask you this, just yeah. kind of uh, to wrap up here. Yes. Um, Vision Pro, are you? What's your take? Is what's my take on it? Pro, I, pro I, or con? Like, is it trending in the right direction for you, or oh, is this is this like? Oh, a, it's it's to me. I mean, this is a people talk about this being an iPhone moment. I think that's maybe a little more than that. Yeah. To me, this is like the moment where, I mean, Facebook tried to do something. Yep. Um, I mean, somebody bought what? Didn't they buy something for like a million bucks? In the digital space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The metaverse. You know what's yeah. funny to me? Is we look at that and that was really stupid. And it probably was. Mm-hmm. But there's a chance now. There's an actual physical chance. Physical. Not physical. Metaphysical. Spatial chance. Spatial chance. Mm-hmm. That that might have actually been a good investment. <laughs> like the yeah. fact that that's even a possibility yeah. now is wild. Is just a. I still think it was a complete utter waste. But beside the point, you you, you get where you get what I'm yeah, saying yeah, here. Totally. Um, and I like the bill. So personally, if I was to get one, and I, I, I'm probably sixty percent leaning towards getting one. It would be for the purpose of the extended display. Of it's a productivity thing. It's for a you. productivity thing for me. I like that thought. Um. And and then you know that's that's probably like eighty percent, and there's like you know twenty percent where I could just get rid of everyone in my life. But that's beside the point. That's that's that's. that's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I think I'm also kind of bullish on this this whole Vision Pro thing. I think it. it I think you're right. I think it. it I, is, I am bullish, though. Yes, I, I'm bullish in the sense of like this is not going away. Yeah, I guess the better way to say it. I think you're you're. You're probably right in terms of like this is a bigger impact than the iPhone was because yeah. I remember the first time I actually physically tried an iPhone, right? Like it was, we didn't have an Apple store back in the day here. Still don't have one here, but, um, and Verizon didn't sell iPhones. We all had Verizon here. And so I had to go to like Omaha to try one out. And when I held it and then tried the swipe, I'm like, oh my gosh, it just, it just, it changes it, huh? It changes it, right? Like your perception of what a phone should be, right? Yeah. And I think you're right in terms of like this is this is the this is like a leapfrog innovation from Apple that everyone's going to try to catch up on. Um, I've used, you know, as I mentioned before, other headsets, and you can't you can't use them for a long time. You can't even read text 
Like if there's text on there, the text is all blurry and fuzzy. And this looks like it's like crisp and clear because it is. It's, it's using dual 4K displays, you know, one per each eye. So I think it's going to change, you know, like even remote work for home, right? Why, why would you want a laptop? You can just do everything remotely. Well, you will still need a laptop. Will you? Yes. So this is this is my thing where people keep talking like this is going to replace all this stuff. Mm. I think it might be an extension of stuff, but yeah, it, we will still need laptops. We'll still need phones. This is the genius of Apple. Because I mean, if you want to strap a battery pack, it's cool. But like, I mean, it will get it will get better. I mean, it can be its own thing. But it, how better will it be when you can run your Mac Pro that was seven thousand dollars from? Yeah, you know, from your mother-in-law's house, where you're in the basement by yourself, and you're just like, "Oh, I can escape this family." Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Imagine wearing one of these at Thanksgiving dinner and just trying to tell people, "I'm just trying to capture the moment." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, it's true. It would be amazing. It would be amazing, right? But that's, I don't know. I don't know. Where it'll be new. It'll be new things to come. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good uh, good wrap to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about and and uh, the future looks like the Vision Pro, <laughs> not yeah. bright, but whatever that is. <laughs> and I will say uh, yeah. we probably will have some kind of a Vision Pro version oh, of the podcast. So just make sure that your your Vision Pro is tuned into historic yes. present. We will probably literally. strip out anything that's for physical appearances and just use our <laughs> avatars based on what I'm looking at here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yep. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thanks for um, sticking around. For those of you that have been driving, we hope we make it your distance safely. For those of you who are running or exercising, we hope you finish that mile. For those of you who found us online somehow, referred to maybe and you listened all the way through. Thank you so much. We truly appreciate it. We hope you stick around for more to come. Thank you. Cheers. All right. All right. Here's to the uh, here's to be present. All right. Bye everyone.